Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. We are back for our, uh, our I guess, season recap. I am DF Bean Counter. You can follow me on Twitter at DF Bean Counter. You can follow Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. His name is Jacob Sanderson, so the name on his Twitter profile fits very nicely. You will not forget it whatsoever once you know who he is. His name is Jacob Sanderson, just to be clear. And uh, anyways, I I'm pretty sure that... I like. I'm just looking. We're this is this episode. We're going to be talking about, uh, you know, taking some L's, eating the L's, and I've been trying to find L's, but I just can't find them in my rankings. I, I don't know. Do you remember if I got any? Yeah, I, I recall some. Um, you didn't. You didn't open the episode very well, though. You didn't say like what we're going to do. You didn't say like welcome back after a long break. Like I did say welcome back. Okay, well I didn't hear that. Look, this is our first episode. Welcome back to the fantasy football podcast. It wasn't long enough. You didn't say, like, we're in the new year, oh. new me. Here's my New Year's resolution status. You know, there's so many things. <laughs> my New Year's resolutions take way less L's this year. That's my I mean, here's the thing, right? We have our, we usually struggle to fill an hour on this show. I just thought you would have been able to kill a little <laughs> bit more time in the intro. Um, we're we gonna, do need some filler. Know, we need a lot of filler for this. My year's resolution is to keep this podcast to an hour for Matt. That's my resolution. <laughs> Hashtag not even sorry, Matt. We are yeah. going one hour tonight because it's already past my bedtime. We just started recording. Yeah, actually, the reason why I didn't hear you is because I, I just had to text my roommate and I said, um, hey, I didn't hear you come in. So I am hope it's fine that you're just out tonight and that I can <laughs> podcast till midnight. Um, but otherwise, let me know if I'm disrupting you. <laughs> Anyhow. Perfect. Um, she doesn't see my text. She probably just heard that, so she can just yell through the wall at me. Anyhow, yeah. uh, yeah, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to do a little bit of season and review action. So we're going to highlight some some big W's, some big L's. I I kind of came up with these categories for it. Drew already had like letter grade categories coming into the season, so I think we'll probably go through the buys and the sells a little bit differently, or, or sorry, the W's and the L's uh, a little bit differently. Um, but we're going to talk through that. Uh, hopefully we'll have some funny L's uh, that you can make fun of us for. And then we're going to start what's going to be an off-season component of the Sweat and Bullets podcast, which is going to be the mailbag segment, where if you are a Bulletproof patron, and you can join the Bulletproof Patreon if you're listening to this and are not a Bulletproof patron, the link is in Drew's Twitter bio directly to join. Uh, you have the opportunity to submit questions to us. Uh, every week and I can't promise you that we'll get to yours within the week that you ask it but we will definitely get to a couple each week um, some evergreen dynasty strategy questions perfect for the off season um, so definitely if you are a patron send in those questions I have a thread in my channel and if you're not feel free to join us so let's uh let's kick it off and Drew you you're gonna go through some of your some of your biggest W's and some of your biggest L's you said that you didn't have any L's that you couldn't find any L's um, and so I, I went I went to through the process of, of finding a couple for you. <laughs> right. And you I can just one place them. I think one place we can start is is here. Uh, and admittedly this is slightly cheating uh, because this actually takes us back to the middle of the twenty twenty one football season. Um, but it's just too good because I think this might actually be the Guinness Book of World Records for the most L's packed into a single tweet. Uh <laughs> But specifically, this was a reply to a tweet of mine, and you said, I am pro-Zeke, not into Jalen Hurts, the Eagles, or Tony Pollard. I am very much taking a jab at Jacob. Everything seems to be spiraling out of control for him since he decided to hate on Elijah Moore. 
<laughs> which <laughs> I don't know if it's possible to get five L's into a take as uh, possible, but uh, you seem to manage it there. I will continue. That's, that's one tweet for the record. Like that's not like five successive tweets. That's one individual that's one tweet, individual tweet with five heinous takes packed into one tweet. I mean, but they were all right at the time. Guesses. Every one of them was right at the time. Wait, what? You were right they at were the all time? Right. Zeke Elliott, right G, scored 14.8 points per game, running back 15. Right, you famously care a lot about 14.8 points per game it's, and it's losing like six rounds of startup value. That's yeah, that, definitely that's something thing. you want to be into. You this is, love this that. is it. And right. then uh, Elijah J- Moore, Jalen he was Hurts. good. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, that was, uh, Jalen Hurts that was, was a guy. Jalen Hurts was terrible. Who... <laughs> yeah, and he, he Isn't was he so still terrible. Like... I missed the season. That's probably why I can't find my L's. Is, is Hurts oh, still terrible? Me here. Yeah, he, he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> bad. He's bad. Uh, Tony Pollard, of, of course, of course, terrible. Uh, look, let's just start there because that's probably if uh, you know one of one of the fun parts of the show. We agree a lot um, more than I thought we would actually when we started doing this show. But one player that we we disagreed on a lot that worked out significantly better. Uh, for me, than for you was, of course, Tony Pollard. And another tweet exchange that I was able to find was one where, uh, well, I'll be honest, it started as an L for me. Uh, I tweeted out, I'm not sure why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has the latest ADP of Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They all have a similar role, and Clyde plays in the best offense. Um, and uh that wasn't that didn't age very well. Uh, Josh Jacobs absolutely annihilated uh, every, every running back, but but specifically Clyde Edwards-Helaire. And then you came in and you said, "Well, for someone who doesn't like Clyde Edwards-Helaire and thinks he sucks at football, you sure seem to tweet a lot of positive things about him." And I said, "Oh, there, there, there. This is a best ball take. Here's my dynasty take, etc." And then I said, "In dynasty, I would prefer to have a running back with an actual ceiling skill set." like Ramondre Stevenson or Tony Pollard. And you said, preferring players that don't have a projectable range of outcomes that includes scoring points is certainly a vibe. And so I would like you to answer for your sins because Tony Pollard, Anthony Randall Pollard, uh, did in fact finish as a top 12 running back in points per game where he was joined by Ramondre Stevenson this year. Uh, Two players that you famously decided to hate on because you've never watched football. You didn't understand the idea that these running backs are good at football, which you could have understood if you simply watched them play football. You chose not to do this. Has being this embarrassingly wrong changed your mind? Will you finally start watching football and caring that running backs are good, or will you just continue to take massive L's? So here's the thing about Ramondre Stevenson. I actually had him as a as a uh, potential bell cow in my seasonal guide this year, and mm. a priority target. And at the same time, was like this fucking guy or this. Sorry, grandma. My grandma listens to the show. For those listening, oh, that's so sweet. sorry for the f bomb, grandma. This forking guy is not going to be a long term impactful player, but he might stumble into a bunch of points this year, and he's relatively. It's priced in that like there's contingent upside here. Or it's not priced in the level of contingent upside here. And then, and that's like out of one corner of my mouth. And the other corner of my mouth mm. is like, but he's not good. So it doesn't matter. In Dynasty, you don't want him. Like a f- freaking buffoon. 
And uh, I apologize to the masses mm-hmm. and Ramondre Stevenson and his family, especially, and his his grandmother, probably a fan of the show as well. Sorry, Grandma Stevenson. And uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was a pretty horrific L. Surprised you could find it because there's so few and far between, but somehow you managed. Well done. Yeah, and let's talk about talk about the real star. You know, Ramondre Stevenson, whatever. He had a pedestrian uh, RB12 finish, but let's talk about the RB9. Outscored such heralded running backs as Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, uh, even as a quote-unquote backup running back. Um, Are you talking about Tony Pollard? Because he was RB8. Yeah. Oh, well, I had it in his RB9. Whatever. That's RB8, embarrassing. You, you, no, the take is over now because you got it wrong. You're factually incorrect. That invalidates the take. I'm quite certain that is something relevant in law, is it not? The technicalities matter. Not really. You know, it's what? more about the vibes. <laughs> so Tony Pollard did really well this year. Good for him. Uh, he also had a 48, 48.1% opportunity share, which scoring at a 15.6 points per game rate on 48.1% opportunity share is certainly aren't a vibe. You, aren't, you, aren't you excited for when he has 30.2 points per game on a 96% opportunity share then? It's what makes the most sense. Yeah, so I am excited. Yeah, no, like I, yeah, I got, I got nothing. Like Tony Pollard was excellent this year. Good for him. Good for all the Tony Pollard cultists. They get- are, are you in though? Are you like, look? Here's the thing, right? Are Are this you now willing? Probably not. Probably not. Are you in. now willing to fully get in? No. What's his cost? Uh, I think his. I think he's going in around round five, round six, somewhere in the mid teens. In, in redraft or in dynasty. In, uh, well, in Dynasty, I have no idea what his redraft cost will be. No. I mean, it depends where he signs. Are you not doing like best ball drafts or something already? <laughs> I've been doing playoff best ball drafts in which in which he's valued very highly, but uh, yeah. so I have not done already... any 2023 seasonal drafts yet. I, I imagine that if he is draft, I imagine that if they if Dallas resigns him and cuts Zeke, I would imagine Tony Pollard will be a first round redraft pick. Um, okay. But I don't know what's going to happen with that. So I think he's probably roughly fairly priced if you look at players like it's tony pollard damian pierce is one spot ahead of him in dynasty uh which is like what the audio listeners i just made a grimace face yeah you should everyone should make a grimace face in unison like i don't i can't even explain how anybody could think that but yet here we are uh jk dobbins is right there alvin kamara i think i probably prefer kamara uh, what? Okay, that's a grimace face. Nah, I, think I was like a hundred years old and felon. He's like two and years super older. Washed. He's not he's, even two years old. He's massive. He's, he's one point eight years he's old. He's washed, and he can't he run the football washed. anymore. He might be washed. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Well, Rashad White is like right there. Ezekiel yeah, Elliott actually yeah. isn't that far behind. Like, if we're comparing him to the other running backs, I don't think he's like egregiously priced, but he's valued like right on a mid twenty twenty three first. And I don't know if I'd take him over mid twenty twenty three first. And, and you know, yeah, I like, wouldn't. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I'm not taking him over mid twenty twenty three. Not, not even entertaining it. How, how about this? How about this? This is this is one that I think we might actually disagree on. So I, I think I wrote a startup, uh, like some early twenty twenty three startup strategy notes, and I didn't get into specific players. I, I more talked about ADP ranges that I liked and didn't like. And I don't like this range is basically my, my thoughts on this range, which is that I think there's like a lot of guys. And I kind of mentioned that in, really in the first 10 rounds, there wasn't a running back that I particularly loved at cost. 
in like a vacuum, but that in each draft, just, you know, ADPs are normally distributed. One running back is going to fall around and a half past where his ADP normally is. And then that's the guy that it's going to take. Unfortunately, it's usually not Pollard because Pollard vibes are good. Like people are, are pretty excited to click Tony Pollard's name right now. Usually it's someone like Najee Harris, who's like, people are not excited to click Najee Harris's name right now. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm fine with Tony Pollard's value in terms of like where he slots in. It's just, uh, yeah, he goes pretty, pretty commonly when we're seeing in startups, like from, if you just look at it linearly, you know, the, the gap between him and guys like Drake London, Devonte Adams, it's about the same in terms of the number of picks versus guys like him compared to, you know, we're getting into like the Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy, you know, kind of range of wide receivers that are kind of more middling. Um, so it's just tough for, it's a tough sell for me to not want to just move those Pollard range picks up or significantly back. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll do this for the listeners who like a more binary view. Who would you rather have in dynasty, Tony Pollard or Deandre Swift? Deandre Swift. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Mr. Pollard. Do you want to, do you want to make this a very early 2023 podcast wager tony pollard versus deandre swift 2023 points it's per like game points per game 2023 yeah. points per game 2023 uh is tony pollard a free agent this year he's a free agent this year so he's a free agent right now he is well technically his team is in the playoffs because he's so good as soon as they lose this week then he'll be a free agent well they're gonna win this week fuck brock purdy uh he's mr irrelevant so that counts for something yeah, that's that's, that's fine. Good. Yeah, he's a free agent. He will he will be you know he, who knows it's an easy bet. He might not get signed at all. I'm going to take know. DeAndre Swift in this one because okay. uh, I don't. What are, know. what are our terms? I, I don't know points per game and minimum eight games. No, I don't care about those terms. That's boring. No. I'm saying what's what's like the punishment and the reward. Oh, I don't know. I don't make bets. Okay, this is this is I'll set the terms right now. Um. If Tony Pollard outscores DeAndre Swift in 2023, points per game minimum eight games, uh, Drew has to change his profile picture to a Tony Pollard-themed picture of my choosing for one week um, and has to change his Twitter name to... I don't think we can do Twitter names now. I think Elon has has kind of revoked that privilege. Okay. It's has a real to change his Twitter name. Yeah, I actually know this because I... As a lark, during the Broncos game after the Colts game, when I needed the Broncos to win so that we could move from 1-5 to 1-4 in the draft, I tried to change my Twitter name, which I thought would only be for three hours, to Broncos Country Let's Ride, and then in brackets to 104. Except I misspelled Broncos because um, I'm dyslexic, I think. I don't even know that I am, but I just seem to misspell things a lot. I'm probably just fucking stupid. Uh, and I misspelled it as Bronox. And then I immediately tried to change that, and then I couldn't. And then for eight days after that, I couldn't even change it back to my normal fucking name. So for nine days on Twitter, my name is Bronox Country. Let's ride. I'm pretty uh, sure you can't change names easily now. Anyway, back to Jacob Senate. If well, all right. If you can still, if you can change names, all right, deal. free of charge, we'll sure. come up with some name change ideas. Otherwise, yeah. uh, we can make this a profile picture choosing that. All right, sounds good. All right. So. It's definitely DeAndre Swift. Uh, so we're talking running backs. I got so I like I have a screenshot in front of me. 
Yeah. And it has all of my preseason grades. So I grade the players yeah. on a A, B, C, D, F level. So the ones that are A's, I really want to buy. The ones that are F's, I really don't want to have on my roster. So those are the ones I have the strongest takes on one way or the other. Here are all the running backs that I thought were really good buys heading into the season. This is uh, preseason, like, like right on the verge of the season, basically September 1st. So we have DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley are all the buys. Like A's. I didn't have many. I didn't love, I don't love the running backs in Dynasty right now. Those are the only ones that I was like actively going out to try to acquire. Of those, I think DeAndre Swift is probably the miss pretty easily. He scored very few points. He barely played. Uh, he was still running back too, despite playing like 30% of the snaps or something ridiculous. Uh, but huge, huge L. Missed missed terribly, which is interesting because the people that were fading DeAndre Swift were fading him because of rushing efficiency, and he was freaking efficient this year. Okay, so now Drew, Drew, he's going to be on the list. Drew, 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 Drew. Wasn't he efficient? Okay, I'm going to say the kind of thing that you would say if it was like any player that you weren't in the bag for. Have you considered that his lack of rushing efficiency in previous years is why he had so much efficiency this year in the sense that it gave him not that many carries because he's really bad on all the inside ones. And so all he did was load him up with a bunch of freebie empty net carries on a shotgun that he could do because all the carries that he's shitty at was Jamal Williams. Have you considered that running back volume is a skill? It seems like you used to consider that. Maybe Tony Pollard has radicalized you. <laughs> yeah, so obviously DeAndre Swift was a miss, but not a real miss because he was so efficient, and now he's going to be yeah. the efficiency king's uh, buy of the offseason. So I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the DeAndre Swift Galaxy. Oh, fuck coming soon. I, to I've you. actually I've been fighting people on the, this. Is so off brand for me because normally I do ha- happen to like a lot of the efficiency guys, but I have been putting up with the uh, fantasy points per opportunity and yards per touch have been two metrics that the DeAndre Swift hive has been really excited about. And I just want to say that yards per touch is the stupidest fucking metric I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) All it is for running backs is what percentage of your touches are receptions. That's what yards per touch is. Like if, if you have a lot of carries, uh, as a percentage of your of your touches, then you won't have very many yards per touch. If you have a lot of receptions as a percentage of your overall touches, you'll have a very high yards per touch. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time, the guys who have a high yards per touch are the guys that we want. But it's not because they're getting so many yards per touch. It's just because they're catching a lot of passes, and we want guys who catch a lot of passes. But that like DeAndre is- Swift. Great point. Yeah, like Buy DeAndre Swift. Swift. Buy with confidence. Okay, so that's my that's my A's, and then the guys I was fading coming into the season uh, were Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, because he was old, not because I thought he was bad. I just, guys that age, like, it's just time to get out. Uh, David Montgomery, A.J. Dillon. Yeah. I'll skip the next one because uh, it never actually happened. It was just pretend. Was just a pretend F I gave him. And then we have Elijah Mitchell, James Cook, Tony Pollard, whoops, Damian Harris. That's a win. Isaiah Spiller, Damian Pierce. You don't like running backs named Damian. Were you in on Damian Williams this year? Uh, probably not. <laughs> and then like, and then we get into like really bad ones that just don't matter, like Romandre right. Stevenson. And oh, like I see. I see. Uh, <laughs> and I certainly didn't skip someone named Josh Jacobs. I didn't skip him at all. He was definitely yeah. He was definitely not an F. Josh, I would Josh, never Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Uh, look, I'll start getting into some of my embarrassing Fs because uh, I had had several. Um, mention the CEH take. 
which to be clear, I was not pro buying CH in Dynasty, but uh, definitely lit some best ball box on fire uh, on CH. Uh, Josh Jacobs was potentially one of the more embarrassing takes because, you know, who, which man is less wise, really? You know, the man who does not know the existence of the door or the man who sees the door and chooses not to turn the handle. Um, and I, I basically put out a big thread. So we were talking about Josh Jacobs uh, one day. I was talking with a, a buddy of mine, uh, really good best ball player, was really in on Josh Jacobs. He's been on Josh Jacobs for a while. And I always used to make fun of him and be like, oh, Josh Jacobs, he's so gross. Um, and that kind of had me thinking because at some point he like fell so far in value that I was like, you know what? Like, I wonder if, um, I wonder if this Josh Jacobs guy is like too far gone. And I, and I wrote about it for a while. I said, Josh Jacobs routinely going round eight in quote unquote sharp fields. This is referring to seasonal. It's one of the more fascinating plots of this draft season. I think it's probably correct not correct but i also think it's mostly isolated from a broader movement towards reimagining adp in terms of ceiling and roster construction utility and i went around and i made a westworld reference i said something about josh jacobs's adp feels like step one in westworld's bicameral mind the voice of the gods aka cool analysts we like tell us to fade him but we still have not developed the full comprehension of why we're doing that and how to apply it systemically and basically i came up with this whole thing of like yeah josh jacobs is probably being drafted too low and i could have looked at that and been like you know what i should get really in on josh jacobs and, and instead, what I decided to do is, um, yeah, I just, I don't want to draft him. He's gross. <laughs> was basically what I came to because I looked this up uh, and I was like, man, was I actually that out on Josh Jacobs? Because I wrote this whole thing on Twitter. And then I went and I found my, my redraft rankings, um, which were tiered out. And then I saw Josh Jacobs in red, which was hard avoid. <laughs> And I went, yeah, I guess, guess I didn't, guess, guess whatever, uh, whatever underlying Westworld theories I thought I had on Josh Jacobs, I sure didn't listen to those. So, um, <laughs> so not only uh, did I not see the potential of Josh Jacobs, um, I saw the idea of Josh Jacobs being a potentially good pick, and I looked at it, and then I decided, no, I, I simply would rather live in the world where he's not a good pick. <laughs> Um, and then I decided to not pick him. So um, I'm a complete complete moron um, for for being out on Josh Jacobs this year at basically no risk. Um, I entirely looked at a running back being drafted pretty much at his floor um, with a lot of pretty easily foreseeable ceiling. And it was one of those things where it was like, I remember the very first couple weeks of the year, because I, uh, I will give myself this if you played in a fucking redraft league and you could have traded for him. I remember after like week three, I, I wrote and I was like, oh, we should actually probably be buying Josh Jacobs because he's encroaching a little bit on Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden. Uh, and also Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden are total garbage. Uh, and I also didn't like Zamir White. Neither of us likes Zamir White. I, I think quite aggressively. We were like, this guy's total garbo. Um, and when it happened, it was just so obvious. It was like, oh, Josh Jacobs is this like round one drafted workhorse running back competing for touches with a career special teamer, another career special teamer, and a rookie running back that we thought was totally terrible. Um, why weren't we just like actually super in on this guy <laughs> all along? And yeah, I, I racked my brain and what I came to is that I thought he was gross, which was a pretty yeah. bad reason to bait him. Well, I think he, like, who has he really ever played with? Like, he's never really played with anybody that I would consider a high caliber compliment, and he's just never actually done anything. And if that's the case, then I don't know why we would expect 
non-high caliber compliments to be any different than the other non-high caliber compliments. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think that his season, I think it's worth talking about. Um, so I had this conversation actually in the Discord a lot about him was like, to what degree do we miss on Josh Jacobs? And, and I do think this, I think that his ADP towards like the end of the year, he was basically getting the gross tax, right? Like he had kind of become like, because he had been a dead zone running back for so long, um, I feel like he had become almost like meme in the fantasy community where he was just always the guy that people threw out to refer to like a boring dead zone running back that you don't want. Um, to the point where he actually was going like like significantly later than guys like Zeke and David Montgomery. Um, and like that's, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Well, that uh, really doesn't make sense. He should have been going the same place as David Montgomery. Right. Right. That was kind of what I said in the thread. That's what I said in, uh, well, in redraft, but in dynasty, they're going similarly, but in redraft, I I was like, this doesn't actually make any sense. Like he plays a better offense to Montgomery. He's better than Dave Montgomery anyway. Um, And Khalil Herbert's better than anybody that was on the fucking Raiders roster. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, anyhow, I think he just got memefied too low. And then I was like, yeah, we should have actually been drafting with that low. That being said, if he wasn't memefied and he was just like drafted where I think would have been efficient, would I have still been out on him? And what I feel is bad about it? No, because I agree. Like the extent to which he took off was was pretty uh, unlikely. Um, but I think that the the fantasy community by fading him too much gave us a chance to get in on him. You know, in the same way, almost as like a Leonard Fournette the previous year. Uh, not quite to that extent in terms of cost production, but he was pretty pretty affordable. And uh, I was given the door. I chose to just shut it, and I, I didn't care. So big, big F for me on Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs actually has me blocked on Twitter. I don't know when he did that um, exactly. I, I think, I mean, I've said a lot of bad things about Josh Jacobs, so I, I don't really blame him for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, props to him. I traded for Josh Jacobs today, so I own that. I own that L. And uh, he was yeah. a legitimately phenomenal running back this year. Good for Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I think, like, honestly, I think there's a lot of similarities between Josh Jacobs just being, like, a totally, like, fine running back and then exploding out of nowhere. Which is weird, though. He was, like, actually really good. And then, like, well, just, I mean, like, in terms of volume, like, he wasn't, like, this monster volume guy. He was, like, a running back 15 to 10 or so in running back opportunity share his whole life. Yeah. And then this year he was, like, RB3. It's really reminiscent of Cooper Cup just, like, Mm. being – like a good wide receiver and then exploding out of nowhere. Like, I think it's one of those things where we need to be open to the fact that weird things happen. And if it's price, like it's never going to happen, then we just need to kind of lean into that a little bit. Right. And, and especially yeah, when there's but, legitimate situational change that might yeah. just reach right? Like Cooper cup gets a new quarterback, right? Yeah. Josh Jacobs gets a new coach. You know, it's like those, it's like, obviously that doesn't guarantee anything, but if you have a guy who's been like, you know, kind of good, kind of good, kind of good, and then something changes, you know, maybe that's the kind of guy we should be open to being like, oh, like, you know, maybe a new staff's going to change their view of this guy. Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't have ever made him, like, in hindsight, even even knowing what happened, I would have never had him as, like, a, a buy. Like, I would have never been right, on the no, like, right. streets pounding this, you know, pounding on everyone's door, hey, you got to go buy Josh Jacobs, hey, you got to go buy Josh Jacobs. But I probably shouldn't have had him as a, as a fade at all costs F. Like he, he should have not that right. I fade everyone at all costs when they're an F, but shouldn't yeah. shouldn't have been like, you know, telling people to go out into the streets and be like, hey, you want to buy some Josh Jacobs? Hey, you want to buy some Josh Jacobs? We should have just right. been like, yeah, he's he's fine. Yeah. He is what he is. It's priced like he is what he is. 
it like he's just fine across the board, and that's what how I should have had him ranked in. And I messed that up, and I am sorry, masses. I am sorry that I faded your favorite Josh Jacobs, even though nobody liked Josh Jacobs. So nobody has ever no, pulled my one, Josh Jacobs. There's receipts. one guy, only Dynasty Jacobian likes Josh Jacobs. <laughs> there's one dude on Twitter that <laughs> likes Josh Jacobs, <laughs> and he's never pulled my Josh Jacobs receipts. Thank goodness. So uh, still safe. Uh, anyway, you, you know, and you know who can't pull my Josh Jacobs receipts? Who's that? Josh Jacobs, because he has me blocked from Twitter. I didn't even see him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, that's that's the running backs. I don't know. Do you have any other running back uh, W's or L's you want to mention? Honestly, um, I, I have like a lot of embarrassing takes at other positions that I'll get to, but I would say a pretty good year for me at running back. Uh, I basically the guys that I had as as key buys. I only said I only had three premium running back buys, which were CMC, Saquon Barkley, and Travis Etienne, and we got uh, massive productive value out of Barkley and CMC, and we got a lot of value gain out of Etienne. And I don't know, not like great production, but useful production, but certainly worth more now than he was preseason. Um, and then of the like cheap guys that I had as, as priorities, um, I had Rashad White, who was eh, not very good, but you didn't lose any value. Uh, Daryl Henderson, who was massively useless, so that's a big L. Uh, had I'm surprised I didn't have him as a as an F. Actually, did you have Daryl Henderson as an F? You didn't have no. Him I had him as a Memorial. C. What was I thinking? What a, what a buffoon! <laughs> yeah, I was really into buying Daryl Henderson. Um, oh, I had Sony Michelle, and that obviously was was certainly an embarrassing loss, but at least it cost you nothing. Um, and then we did have some massive wins. We had Khalil Herbert, who gave you not a whole lot of productive value this year, but at least gave you that value gain. Oh, we had Eno Benjamin, and that looked really fun for a, a hot moment in time. And then it got a lot less fun. We had some Ajay Pirine, which was very fun. And then we had uh, Brian Robinson. Big value gain on Brian Robinson. We were pounding in the streets for Brian Robinson, much to Drew's chagrin. We're no longer pounding in the streets for J Brian Robinson. And then... Well, I had Brian Robinson as an F. Yeah, I had Brian Robinson as a key priority in rookie drafts this year, so that's a win for me. Um, and then, oh, I did have TDP. That was a massive L. Uh, big old flop on TDP. And then my personal favorite... At everyone, I added everyone in the Discord one day, and I said, at everyone, you must add this running back off of your waivers in every league, and you must get him as a throw-in in every trade. That name is Jarek McKinnon. He was my highest rostered player in all of Dynasty. Drew Brilliant. laughed at me. Drew laughed at me when I said the possibility that he could simply seize the lead role once again in the Chiefs' backfield. Carpe diem. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was... Shoot, you know, you shoot for the moon, and sometimes you end up among the stars, and sometimes you just get the fucking moon. <laughs> Shout out Jarek McKinnon. I fucking love that guy so much. I what do you have to say for yourself? That Jarek I McKinnon... didn't even see Jarek McKinnon on my list. I didn't have a take on Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> How dare you? He probably wasn't he probably wasn't ranked high enough at the time. Yeah, that's that's why he was a waiver pick. Oh, so I wonder if there's some there. guys missing actually, because this list doesn't go that far down. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I wouldn't have been into Jarek McKinnon as well. I would have been fine with him as free, but I wouldn't have been buying him. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't cost much. No. <laughs> he didn't exactly have to <laughs> shell out a, a much, key asset. Fair. All uh, right. Yeah. Anyhow, that was that was running back wins, but I definitely have some embarrassment in particular other positions. Um, 
my biggest embarrassment at running back was just being out on Josh Jacobs for sure. Uh, running back embarrassment otherwise. Oh, I, I didn't credit to you. You you went on Miles Sanders. That's a big win. We we departed on Miles Sanders. I wasn't interested. You were very interested. Congrats. Uh, I was interested in redrafts. I wasn't that into him in Dynasty. I think I only had a B on him in Dynasty. Fair enough. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, Here here's what I would consider my consequentially my biggest process mistake of the year, uh, which is something that I will change going forward. Uh, as, as everyone knows, uh, there was once a time where I was very, 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 very pro Jalen Hurts. Drew was very, very, very anti Jalen Hurts. Um, and such that I made a boxing graphic with our faces photoshopped onto boxers to do a podcast episode where we fought about Jalen Hurts. Uh, and then after last season, I did a very cowardly thing and I said, yeah, he's probably risen enough that I think most of the ceilings priced out as a early round two startup pick. And I would probably just cash out Jalen Hurts and sooner go for safer options like Russell Wilson. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, or just pivot to Trey Lance. Uh, and, yes. uh, <laughs> that was a stupid ass fucking take right there. That was a really stupid take. Um, you, wait, you, you were know, selling Jalen Hurts this year? I I had Jalen Hurts like not as like a must sell, um, but I think I think the exact way that I put it. I don't have a quote up, but I, I think the way that I put it was, Jalen Hurts has immense upside and all of the great things that I set up before. But his a lot of his ceiling has now been priced out, and a lot of his value insulation is gone because if he doesn't perform this year, he's probably out of the job long term. At this point, I think that we have other options with similar upside and more value insulation. So I'm no longer making him a priority buy, and I would pivot to one of these other options if you could. I wasn't like you need to fire sell Jalen Hurts. Like I still have him okay. rostered in some spots, yeah. but I, uh, I had a C on him this year. I, I definitely was not where I was in the previous two seasons, which was make him a priority buy. I was like, yeah, I'd probably cash out if I could. And, and that was obviously the wrong take. The other player that I had that take about was Justin Fields. I would say I kind of went up and down on Justin Fields in the sense that I was pretty out on him for most of the off season at cost. Uh, that looked really good in the early season. This is cost plummeted. Drew and I definitely did have an episode later where we were like, no, let's get back in. It's way, really cheap. And if you were somehow able to action that into like selling at all the times that you should have sold and then buying really cheap later, that would have been the ideal scenario. But I also understand that you play in leagues with real people, not an ATM, and that uh, you know, well, that would have been ideal. You probably couldn't have actually like repurchased Justin Fields in 30 different leagues at the exact moment that I said to. I know that I couldn't. Uh, so obviously the people who just held Justin Fields the entire way through are probably not all that worried that they lost out on a little bit of closing line value in the month of September uh, because he's now a round one startup pick. So I I was cowardly. I did not follow my own advice and draft for ceiling above all else. But these rushing quarterbacks, I decided to arbitrarily decide who was safer. They weren't safer. I made bad choices and uh, I should be lambasted for going against my true son, Jalen Hurts and forever doubting Justin Fields. Yeah. So like I actually had, like I said, Jalen Hurts was a C. I was, I was just fine with his price. I wasn't buying or selling. It was whatever. Uh, I think earlier in the off season though, I was selling. I think it was around, after the draft, when they didn't draft anyone and they didn't trade him, I was like, oh. And, the, and, and not only that, but they traded for A.J. Brown. And they got A.J. Brown. And then I was like, you know what? He's probably just, if he isn't a superstar, he's still going to score points. Like, 
so like let's back up to the draft because I feel like I get painted into this like Jalen Hurts hater corner. In his rookie draft, he was my like you must leave your right. draft with yeah. Jalen Hurts because he's going to score points if he starts games. He's probably going to start games at some point in his career. Get Jalen Hurts on your team. Right. Then he scored a bunch of points when he started, and then his price got out of control. And I was like, okay, it's time. Like, get out. We'll buy really, back. Really, the only area where we had a major disagreement on whether to buy or sell Jalen Hurts was going into the 2021 season, I think. Yeah. When his value 20, got really high, Like, as a rookie, sure. we're both in the same place, which was this guy is basically free. He, like, put up pretty good stats at college. He's going to run a lot, go draft him everywhere. And then I think we kind of had a mostly similar take in 2022. 2021 was where where we diverged. I got laughed at in one of my leagues for trading up to get like the 2.24 pick in my Superflex rookie draft mm-hmm. to pick Jalen Hurts, and people laughed at me in my league. <laughs> <laughs> Who's laughing now? I traded him for Saquon Barkley, and then he became the MVP, so that kind of sucked. But whatever. Anyways, uh, yeah. So Jalen Hurts, he was a C. It isn't really like I have whatever. He was he was he is what he is. My A graded quarterbacks were Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. So that was that was a really good pick. Great yeah, job. and and by the way, guys, I know that Drew and I have been telling you to buy low on Russell Wilson at various price points throughout this entire season. And if you think that that's going to stop now, you're incorrect. <laughs> but we will continue to do that. Uh, we will continue now, telling you to buy low. And and here's the thing. We just keep get, you just keep getting more opportunities to buy low, right? I had yeah. a, I had a prof who assigned a 400-page case to read to uh, my best friend in law school. <laughs> Luckily, she only signed me a 20-page case, so <laughs> sucks uh, for her. Anyhow, and uh, and then she was asked a question. It was like, oh, like, are we really supposed to read this 400-page case? And the prof said, if you got one of the long ones, think about it as a greater opportunity for knowledge. And what we're telling you guys on Russell Wilson is uh, think of it as a greater opportunity to buy love. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're just not right. It's not that we're wrong. We just aren't right yet. <laughs> yeah, we're never wrong. We're just early. So just, just wait it out. So Russell Wilson was an A. Then we had Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. And then way, 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 way down the list, we had Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, and Sam Howell. Those were my A's. And and then actually I just scrolled like to the very bottom of the list. And I also had Cam Newton as an A. And I'm not sure if I left that as an A because I didn't scroll down far enough when I updated or if I actually still believed him to be an A at that juncture. But uh, I still do think you should roster him. Actually, do you actually think that we should? No, I just dropped him all this uh, just before the offseason. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) But uh, so those were my A guys. Uh, The biggest biggest whiff was easily Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson, like honestly, I, I, I can't explain it. If the same situation came up, I would buy him again. If we're still in the same situation, I'm continuing to buy. I have no, I've learned nothing from this L, nothing at all. I will continue down this path of peril until Russell Wilson is a Hall of Famer or a retiree. One of the two. Yeah, I mean, by an absolute mile, my worst takes and and the ones that absolutely hurt my dynasty teams the most personally were were the two quarterback takes where I made Russell Wilson and Trey Lance major priorities. Um, yeah, like I I wouldn't actually change them. Um, so. Sorry, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that the the Russell Wilson stuff, um, like, he, I don't know. I'm really surprised that he was bad. Um, I think he'll probably be good again in the future. If he's not, that, that sucks. 
for me. Um, He's not Lem Jacob because I would have obviously never taken an L. So yeah, uh, so that was unfortunate. The Trey Lance thing is like, I think that I would defend the Trey Lance thing more in the sense that like he was a he was always very high risk, right? Like that's he was always very high risk, pretty naturally. That being said, like the specific runout that he got is like the zeroth percentile outcome right like think about it he gets injured for the entire season in game two so the only game he actually plays is playing in a monsoon in which of course he plays bad then he gets injured in the first drive of the next game for the season so that's the lasting imprint that everybody has and then the fucking mr irrelevant brock purdy comes in and never loses a game and potentially takes over the starting job like the odds of those things happening were so unforeseeable that i don't really feel bad about not foreseeing it um what i would say to trey lance now is like yeah obviously did I, do you I wish... say this to him directly no what i'd say to him is is i'd be like hey man how's the leg feeling like are we gonna still be rushing a lot when you get a chance here or, <laughs> or what uh no what i what i would say to people who have trey lance or are pondering buying trey lance or pondering never listening to any of my fantasy advice again on the basis of trey lance is the following one yes i am like i definitely do have some level of personal bias for trey lance that i i will struggle to work out of like i am from winnipeg it's close to ndsu i follow the team i i loved watching trey lance in college i was super excited when he got drafted early i love his traits i love his tools i i, I legitimately believe in him as a player just personally um i also I've like become, I feel like more reinforceably biased just because of like the Twitter discourse around him. I find it's just like so unfair and like really in bad faith based on people being so sure about what he is and what he isn't based on such a limited sample of games in the NFL that it just makes me want him to succeed to shut people up who are like, no, he's bust, he sucks, he sucks, he's a bust, he's a bust, like play fucking three games, drives me nuts. Um, so yeah, like I'm just personally rooting for the guy at this point. I'm If I try to be objective as at that but you're free to take that opinion with a grain of salt which is why i wanted to state my my feelings about him up front i think that his floor is higher than people think i have no idea if he's going to start for the san francisco 49ers in week one next year or, or ever again for the san francisco 49ers i don't know probably a lot of it comes down to what brock purdy does this week and and any following weeks if he wins this week but what i would say is just if you zoom out at the quarterback landscape of the nfl it's fucking trash. We've talked about it several weeks, right? The notion that Trey Lance, after three NFL games, will not be a more appealing option to some NFL team somewhere than rolling with fucking Andy Dalton or Carson Wentz or whatever boring-ass retread is just impossible. Somebody is going to make the 49ers... Like if, if the San Francisco 49ers determine at some point in the coming year, whether that's already or whether that's in August or whatever that Trey Lance is no longer their their quarterback of the future, that they're going to roll with Brock Purdy. Some team is going to make an offer for Trey Lance that the 49ers will accept. Um, and that Trey Lance will start games. Wherever he starts games, he will rush. Will I rather him do it on the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and all the weapons that made him so attractive to buy in the first place? Yes, I would way rather him have that infrastructure in place. It would suck if he didn't have that infrastructure, if there was no longer a team that had that sunk cost fallacy. You know, that being said, like, 
Is there a chance that he is just good? Absolutely, there's a chance he's just good. He's played three games. <laughs> he was a good prospect. It's entirely possible this guy is good at football. It's not even a long shot, in my opinion, this guy is good at football, and he's going to get a chance to show it. And even if he's bad, he's going to score fantasy points because he's going to run. And, and I do think that that provides some level of value insulation. So I'm not saying there's no downside risk on Trey Lance at his current price. There's a lot of downside risk. But I don't think that he's going to like drop to zero all at once in the way that I think people – have uh, hyperbolized. Yeah, like I'm, spoiler alert, Trey Lance is going to be an A-buy for me again next year, and he'll be an A-buy the year after that, and he'll be an A-buy the year after that, and he'll be an A-buy until he's out of the league because he has the upside of virtually nobody else. Like it's him and Lamar Jackson and, you know. Fields, her. Justin Fields and so on and so forth. Like there's a handful of guys, and, and he's one of them. Anthony and, Richardson. <laughs> stop it. Malik Willis. Uh, oh my God! Just just turn off the podcast. Un- uninstall the webcam. Anyways, so Trey Lance is. I'm still gonna be buying. What I think is probably gonna happen, and this is pure speculation. I am surprisingly not on Kyle Shanahan's inner circle. He hasn't replied to my DM. I'm not sure what that's about. We'll find out later, maybe. My assumption what's gonna happen is that they're gonna go into the into the like off season training camp, whatever with Trey Lance and Brock Birdie, both yeah, on the team. Jimmy Garoppolo will be gone, mm-hmm. and both guys will be there, and they're going to make it an open competition. Trey Lance is going to win the open competition, and then if he sucks, at some point they'll bring in Brock Purdy, but likely Brock Purdy is just the backup and Trey Lance is the starter. That's my assumption. That's, that's you know, like, I'm certainly not saying it's a 100% outcome, but that's what I think is likely going to happen. Yeah, and, and, I mean, that's what I would do. If I were the 49ers, I would be in no rush to trade Trey Lance because his value is at an all-time low. He hasn't gotten the chance to show what he can do. And if I'm the 49ers, honestly, I look at my offensive system and I'm like, man, if Trey Lance plays for us at all, he's probably going to go up in value, right? Like this offense has made Jimmy Garoppolo look good, who is not good. It's made Brock Purdy look really good, who, I mean, maybe he's really good, but all 32 NFL teams were pretty sure that he wasn't because he fell to past pick 200. So it's got to be elevated a little bit by this whole scheme. Like, like it made Trey Nick Lance... Mullins look good at one point, right. and that was before they even had. He made Nick Mullins look good when Dante Pettis was the wide receiver one. Right. Like this is a team that everybody looks good playing quarterback. So if I were the 49ers, I would look at it and be like, yeah, you know, who knows what Trey Lance is at this point. At least we have Brock Purdy, who you know we're, we're clearly can competently run the offense. You know, in worst case scenario, he's basically Jimmy Garoppolo, but costs way less, so he doesn't compromise our ability to build elsewhere. That's a pretty good backup alternative. Yeah, I would make it an open competition. And look, if, if Brock Purdy like decisively wins the competition in camp to the point that all the players would be like, Brock Purdy's clearly better than Trey Lance. He can't start yeah. this guy. Then I'm sure that Brock Purdy's going to start. If Trey Lance wins the open competition, and in my opinion, if I was the 49ers. I would prefer Trey Lance to win the competition because then you find out what you have in him, right? Mm-hmm. Worst case, if he comes in and he looks good, you know, then you have two quarterbacks who are young and cost controlled and look good, and you can trade one of them, right? That's that's the best case scenario to me for the 49ers. And and if he looks bad, well, whatever. You're probably not getting a first round pick for him this offseason. So if he mm-hmm. looks bad, some team will still give him a second. Teams gave a freaking second round pick for Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. They look bad. Um <laughs> I think some team would give a second for Trey Lance, even if he looks pretty bad. And then you just go back to Brock Purdy, who you already know can run the offense. Things are fine. So I, I agree. I think they'll both be on the roster. I think if you do roster Trey Lance, it's worth 
having a contingency plan in place in case he's not starting week one. I think it's entirely possible if that's the case, that he's not starting week one. But other than that, I, I mean, I just be pretty darn shocking if Trey Lance, number three overall pick, who, by the way, is actually younger than Brock Purdy, um, just like never gets a chance to be a team's intentional starter in the NFL with how bad he's going to be a week one starter somewhere at some right. point in his career. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely not over for Trey Lance. It may be over for Trey Lance of the 49ers. We'll find out. We have no idea what Kyle Shanahan is thinking. Uh, if it were me, that's the plan I would do is what I just laid out. And it, yeah. if, if it isn't that, and it is Brock Purdy, Trey Lance is going to start somewhere on week one or in week one, maybe not this year, but at some year, like he's, I always think of these quarterbacks as, will this guy be a week one starter again? And right. Trey Lance is definitively in my in my mind. Like, I have him emblazoned as a week one starter yeah, at be. some point in his life. So, anyways. Yeah, that's, I, I, I completely agree with that. That's all my um, A's. Okay. It's all of them. I got F's. Okay, I faded some. F's? I faded yeah. some quarterbacks. Not many, yeah. but some of them. I faded. Let's see. Let's start from the bottom. We started from the top last time. Let's start from the bottom. I faded like Drake. Uh, who did I fade? Sam Darnold. I faded Jordan Love, Drew Locke, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jared Goff. Does that count? Does that count as an L? That counts as an L. L. Yeah, Jared Goff. L. That counts as an L. Yeah. So faded Jared Goff. That was L. I also faded idiot. I actually like I got his projection right though ish like he, he he was like slightly above my projection but what i said was that he was going to be a short-term starter and then i didn't think he had a long right, right. you didn't anticipate was them going nine and eight and the roar being restored yeah i did not anticipate the roar being restored so he's i think he's probably a long-term starter at this point again like yeah years at, ago, le- at least that, a medium-term starter yeah yeah maybe not like 10 years but like probably another three years uh, yeah at least i think he have you played good enough to at least earn him next year on the lions and good enough to earn him like a residual job elsewhere if he flops next year on the Lions. Yeah, and then I and then I faded Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's that's been pretty profitable the last few it's years. Been a safe one lately. But, uh, I I I faded Davis Mills, which I'm shocked that I even had to fade. Like, yeah, I we that's a fade that we we greatly shared together. People and people actually were excited about Davis Mills, so I I, en- I enjoyed the privilege of being able to fade Davis Mills. I just can't even imagine. I faded Mac Jones. Gave him an F. Yeah. He actually he got that. benched one game, like for the whole game. I think yeah. it was actually like Skyler Thompson started over. No, it was Bailey Zappi. You got or Bailey Zappi started over white AFC East quarterbacks mixed up. Also, Bailey Zappi threw for like six thousand yards last year or something. Yeah, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Oh, Look it up. The, the dude's a stud. They gotta get back Jones out of there. He can't do anything. He's awful. <laughs> Put in Bailey Zappi. Uh, and then I faded Matt Stafford, which I, I was I gave Matt yeah, Stafford an A coming into 2021. I gave him an F. Wow, you got that one right. Good job. Just playing Matt Stafford like a fiddle. Uh, yeah. And then and then famously I faded uh, someone that I got a lot of flack for fading. It was his name was Justin Herbert, and uh, that, that was correct. Well. Yeah, so, it wasn't even a QB one this year. He got outscored by Daniel Jones. That's rough. That's a that was um, a bad look. I would say he honestly, was, he was QB one in Dynasty for a while. Yeah. Pretty pr- that was insane. Pr- pretty bad year for me at quarterback, realistically, uh, with the Lance and Russ flops. I also was very out on Tua. I'm still out on Tua, and I think that 
my stance on Tua is just not right yet. However, he undoubtedly increased in value in a way that I did not expect, despite barely being a QB1, whatever. Um, that's one where, like, I think that the market just reacted stupidly to Tua, and I still think that I was right. But he went up in value, uh, so the Tua, hate, the Tua lovers uh, definitely win that round. Um, and probably the bit, most bitter part for me is that, of course, being, like, not liking Tua... The only leagues where I have Tua were the leagues where I either couldn't have traded him in the offseason or I drafted him far lower than his actual ADP was, in which case those are the leagues that I still cannot trade Tua. So I can't even take advantage of the increased value. Meanwhile, the leagues where I may have been able to, I already traded him away like a big buffoon. Um, <laughs> and then pretty much the only good quarterback take uh, that I got definitively right was being in on Daniel Jones as a late-round quarterback this year. Um I got in a very long argument with Drew about Baker versus Daniel Jones. Uh, I was correct. Uh, Baker just continues to slide down the list of 2018 quarterbacks. Uh, you know, it was once a conversation between him and uh, Josh Allen. That conversation is no longer, no longer conversation Honestly, between him and was, Daniel Jones. It was uh, once jo like Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen was like not in the conversation. After Baker Mayfield's rookie year, he was like QB two in Dynasty. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. Like it, it was wild. There yeah, was a moment Baker in sucks. time. There was a moment in time where I was like, "Is he QB one?" They had just traded for Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And it was like, "Is he QB one?" Like before he you had discovered the concept of quarterbacks running. Well, that was before they ran. We didn't have all these yeah, running quarterbacks go. then. Yeah. <laughs> like the world is like that was oh, how yeah. many years ago was that? Five years ago? Not the that world long has ago. changed so much in the five years. Changed a lot. The world has changed a lot. Um, yeah, I remember that year, like not Baker's rookie year, but the second year I remember was the year that we had Kyler as a rookie. And then we had year two, Josh Allen and Lamar. And like, I was doing all these best ball leagues on draft.com, which isn't even a site anymore. This is before underdog was even incorporated. And I remember just like printing money by uh, every draft. I was either going to draft Kyler, Josh Allen or Lamar. And I was going to draft two, some combination of two of them in every league. Uh, because I was like, man, these quarterbacks run a lot. Nobody's even drafting them. And like, imagine now it's like Trey Lance who had played zero games. Like he's going in round six. Like <laughs> wild. The, the so market has completely, completely changed. Uh, I like, can't like, believe how quickly it changed. Like it, it was yeah. like overnight, basically. Like, I, I distinctly remember being like, I think we even had a conversation about it, maybe in the patrons group me back then. Uh, or maybe that was before the group me. I can't remember. Yeah. But uh like I, I can't remember who I was talking to about it. It must have been the patrons. And I was like, maybe, maybe Baker is QB one. I'm gonna maybe move into a QB one. It's like, no, we're gonna stick with Mahomes. He's going off like 50 touchdowns. Oh my god! And uh, but like they had just traded for Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. was still good at the well, we time. Thought. We, thought we thought he was. It turned out he was not. But yeah. <laughs> Turns out it was all just a facade. And like yeah. Baker was coming off breaking the touchdown record for quarterbacks. He is like one of the highest rookie year PFF passing grades ever recorded. Like he looked like yeah. a god. No, I like I like making fun of Drew on Baker wow. because I, I got off the train a lot easier than he did. I, I spent less time in the rehabilitation clinic, but I, I also loved <laughs> Baker as a rookie, and I also loved Baker after his rookie year. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to people anymore. Um and, and honestly. I've drafted Baker in one of my two startups this year. So he's I, he's, he has fallen so far that I am going to de-risk my anti-Baker equity 
by getting really in on Baker this offseason. So that if he does pop this next season, Drew can't make fun of me in the patron chat and post a little Undertaker gif with all of his Baker takes and my old Baker hate because I'm going to be in on Baker this year. So it's going to be fine. We're gonna all right, we're going down with the ship together. I'm on, I, like, it doesn't even matter. Like it's Similar to Russell Wilson with Baker Mayfield. Like People fine. keep fading him. I'm just like, ah, there's a chance he's good. We saw it. We saw him be good before in the NFL. Like this isn't like a he was good in college. Right. Like he was actually me good and, in the me NFL. Me and Drew in like round fourteen and fifteen of every startup this year. Now Drew doesn't actually do startups because he doesn't play Dynasty anymore. But uh, I got like ten leagues, man. We will. We will be doing one startup together. We promised. We promised. I actually. But I, I have an itch to do a startup draft. Okay, so we'll do one. We should do, we'll one, do one soon. soon. Uh, I'll come up with some fun settings. But yeah, round 14, 15, Drew and I will be taking like Michael Thomas and Baker just going down with the ship every fucking draft. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that's that's probably quarterback. Good year for yeah. me, a running back. Bad year for me, a quarterback. Any wide receiver takes? I basically have one really embarrassing wide receiver take, which was that I um, I, I drafted Sky Moore over Chris Olave confidently. I stood in front of the masses Um despite having watched very little film on either of them, because I pretty much only incorporate film into my running back process for college. Uh, and I was like, I don't care that Sky Moore was the 13th wide receiver drafted. He's an early declare. I don't care that he played at Western Michigan. Uh, I know better. He's better than Chris Olave. He should be drafted at Chris Olave. These film bros, they don't know what they're doing with their route running. I'm going to just confidently and wrongly draft a Western Michigan backup over, uh, one of the better rookie wide receivers that we've had in the last decade. Um, and uh, boy, does that seem fucking stupid uh, looking back on it. So I, I'm a massive idiot for ever recommending people to draft Sky more over Chris Lave. Uh, I will not defend that the process was, was, was good. Um, it seemed good at the time. I, well, okay. He's the a process on liking. I'll put it act. this way. The process on liking Sky more, I a hundred percent stand by. Like he was a productive wide receiver in a great landing spot. Uh, and I would absolutely be in on Sky Moore um, every single time. And in fact, I will also be going down with the ship on Sky Moore, uh, and I'm still buying him. That being said, um, I think I grew too attached to the idea of being in on Sky Moore, and then when his price grew to a point where it was no longer actually a value to be in on Sky Moore, I uh, ended up pushing him above players that were just much more secure bets in Chris Olave. And, and I think that's that's a humility check uh, that I've at least learned. You know, Dr Drew has not learned that. He, he's actively excited to rank round two wide receivers over top five draft capital quarterbacks this year. But I, I've at least learned to, to try and be humble. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, so Skymore, yeah, I, I, I too fell prey to the Skymore. Yeah, actually, more than me, I, I stopped at least at wide receiver four. You bumped up to wide receiver two. Tough. tough yeah, that was idiotic. Um, so here's the thing with Skymore. I was. Uh, it's funny. We pre-draft. We famously had a days-long debate. Regarding Sky Moore versus George Pickens. Yeah, and honestly, I would still rather have Sky Moore. Fuck George Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, George Pickens is the better player. No, I'm sticking with that one actually. And I, I, I in turn turned tail and flipped them after the draft because of Patrick Mahomes versus Kenny Pickett. It was a pretty easy choice. And honestly, like, I want to say that I got it wrong. Uh, well, I did get it wrong. There's no question that. But I want to say I wouldn't do it again. But I, I think I probably would do it again, with with Chris Olave for sure. 
I probably would not do it again with um, Garrett Wilson. Like that, that was that, that was a bridge too far, and that was just me getting caught up in Patrick Mahomes uh, versus Zach Wilson because uh, I thought that Wilson was the better player. I had him ranked higher in the pre-draft. I had him ranked higher after the draft, and then as we got into training camp, I was like, "What am I doing? Like we're chasing ceiling. Like Zach Wilson could be anything, but I know Patrick Mahomes is a freaking superstar." And if it works out, like that's the guy you want to be hitched to. So I'm just going to go ahead and move uh, Sky more ahead. I kept them in the same tier. I would have, and I should have done a better job of communicating this. How I do my tiers is basically not how I would necessarily draft them. I would have still yeah. easily drafted Garrett Wilson. At, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, we were drafting him in the same spot, which was the 106, right? Yeah. And I was drafting him ahead of, of Chris Olave. Like, there's right. no, that's I'm not. Good backtracking on that any at any stretch like i i don't rank the head of chris Olave. i would have drafted him ahead of chris Olave. i i was 100 percent in on sky Moore over chris Olave. that was egregiously bad in hindsight i'd probably do it again though i i yeah. i apologize for nothing okay then then I'm, i I'm I, right I, said that in, I said that in jest where i was like i've learned to be humble and drew hasn't but it turns out that yes i have learned to be humble and yeah. drew hasn't yeah. Just i'm i'm going humble. right back in i'll do it 100 percent. okay time. so let's let's actually let's let's play this out so I'm trying to think if there's a decent analogy for this this year. There isn't. Um, probably not because like the bulletproof guys who won't get round one capital, it's like Marvin Mims and you don't like Marvin Mims as much like, as Sky Moore. Tell everyone all the right. good players. I mean, if somebody listens to minute 62 ahead of the, of this episode, they can't <laughs> learn that Marvin Mims is projected to be pre-draft bulletproof. So there's a chance that Marvin Mims will be bulletproof and I'm very excited about it, except I'm actually not excited about it. Uh, yeah, you don't like field stretchers. Yeah, yeah, he's just a field stretcher, and he's not even like he's not even projected to be fast. Like, is he going to be fast? He's not projected to be fast. I, I'm Nobody's not sure. Telling me he's going to run a four three. I'm not sure. We tend to overrate the speed of Big Twelve players. <laughs> like, it just seems like a thing where it's like we watch these Big Twelve players running against players that are slow, and then everyone's like, "This guy's going to burn," and then it's like he runs like a four five, and it's like, "Oh, those corners must have been four seven. <laughs> like remember yeah, Jalen like Rager? That. Remember when Jalen Rager? We thought he was going to run like the four twos. He couldn't even break four yeah. five. Brutal, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Marvin Mims. I don't know. I am I going to take him over? I, like there isn't like a senior. That's I'm trying to think of like a seen like a seniory coin flip. Not really this this year. Like it's like no. Zay Flowers, but he's not going to go like where Chris Olave went. So. Yeah. But like for instance, would I take uh, Marvin Mims over Jahan Dotson if they were in the same class? Well, let's okay. How about this? Let's let's do this. I probably would. Okay, let's do this. Okay, this year it's not wide receiver. Would you take Marvin Mims over Will Levis if Will Levis is drafted in the top ten, where we have a guy that you don't like, but he plays a position of scarcity, probably a more secure bet because he's not going to be around seventeen startup pick the next year because he's a quarterback with a lot of draft capital. Yeah, I'm probably taking Will Levis. I'm probably taking Will. You've learned a little bit. You've learned a little bit. No, I, I always like I was high. Like I didn't like Justin Herbert coming out, and I was I was like high on Justin Herbert compared to the masses. No, I actually I think I was bang on Justin Herbert compared to the masses, and I did not like Justin Herbert at the time. Right, but you really don't like Will Levis. Oh yeah, Will Levis is like the worst first round quarterback I've ever seen. It's like it's like Will Levis and like I don't even know who who are the other bad ones that I was talking about. Well, Josh Allen. Josh Allen wasn't that bad though. Like Josh Allen was a bad passing quarterback, 
but he was like a Konami. Like he ran for like 500 yards right. in college. Uh, Jake Locker, but he also ran. He, he had pretty bad. Oh, Blaine Gabbert's probably one of the worst first round picks. Yeah, yeah, Blaine Gabbert's probably one of the worst prospects. If, if, oh, Christian Ponder, he was probably pretty bad. I think Ponder had a lot of rushing yards too. Okay, um, there hasn't there haven't been that many like quarterbacks. There, there's like five bust tier quarterbacks drafted in round one. So it's like really rare grouping for Will Levis to be in. I, I will say, I yeah, but how many of those were? How many of those were like top half round one though? Like, is, does that pick up like? Four, like I think. Okay. Um, sure. I mean, like, there's like four like in his range. In his range, right? Okay. Yeah, I see. And we might get two this year. Although I, I don't know. I think so. I think Levis is like we're off topic, but um, I think that like I think that the Levis early draft capital is like absolutely happening. Um, and it's just a matter of how how early. Um, like, I don't know if he'll go at like first overall or if he'll go at 10th overall, but like he's getting drafted. Uh, Anthony Richardson feels more like Malik Willis where it's like people like he might go really early and like, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually did go in the top 10. It also wouldn't surprise me if he went in the third round. I would like Anthony Richardson really feels a lot like Josh Allen to me. Like that's, that's the guy like Anthony Richardson is, he excites me a lot more than a ferocious passer. But like super dynamic. If and both, if both get drafted early, I'm way more interested in AR than the yeah. Levis. Yeah, absolutely. If if Richardson goes in like the top 15 or so, and Levis goes say fifth overall, I'm 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 way ahead of on Richardson than I am on Levis. Yeah, I mean Richardson. First of all, he runs a ton. And then honestly, Levis, even if he was drafted like 30th, I'd probably be in Richards on Richardson over Levis. Yeah, I mean I'm pretty I'm pretty. Like we'll see what happens with his draft capital, but yeah, like I, I think anywhere in the first round, I'm gonna be pretty pumped about Richardson just because he runs a lot, and and also the big difference with him and Levis is like Richardson's a lot younger, right? Yeah, he's like 21, he, and Levis yeah, is he's gonna be 24 before he ever plays an NFL game, which it's like, you know, I, I understand it's an experience issue too, but to me, like, you know, a 24 year old rookie should not be a developmental project, in, yeah. in my opinion. Like with Richardson, it's like okay, like. I could see it, you know, this this guy could develop more, but Levis should really be in his final form, and his final form was pretty shitty. So I, I don't know. We're going to debate Will Levis a lot, I think, this rookie season, um, even though I think we both pretty much agree on the evaluation. It's just a matter of how much weight we're putting on the evaluation. The evaluation from both ends is that he's probably bad. But. Yeah, uh, just just to touch on the, the reason that I, I'm, like, equating – Anthony Richardson to Josh Allen is they they're both Konami in my process, and then I use this this one metric that like nobody has even heard of from Football Outsiders. Uh, it's supposed to like capture the quality of the defenses that they're playing against, and it but it doesn't rate the quarterback specifically; it rates the team. So it's not a perfect metric, but it's actually quite good. Uh, it's OF plus. I actually don't know what OF stands for. Probably only only fans, I presume. Uh, but uh, yeah, so there's like one first round quarterback that's ever scored a negative score on this, and his name was Josh Allen, and mm-hmm. I believe Anthony Richardson also has a negative score. So yeah, I mean he the only ones, <laughs> and they're both yeah. Konami. So it's, I, it's I will a- also I will also admit that my like I have not dug into the film of the quarterbacks at all. For people who don't know this, I root for the Tennessee Volunteers in college football which means that for the most part, the college football games that I watch are other players that are on my C2C game or teams playing against Tennessee Volunteers. Um, and Will Levis played uh, one game a, against the Tennessee Volunteers uh, football team this year. And 
his stats were as follows in that game. He had 16 completions on 27 attempts for 98 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks, and they lost 44 to six. Um, and that left a lasting impression <laughs> with, me, with me, honestly. That was pretty pretty against Malevis. Um, so it'll take me a while to work through that, but I'm going to try and work through that. So I, I just looked it up. Uh, I had I'd done a couple threads on this already for the patrons because every time I post something, everybody argues with me. Uh, so Mark Sanchez, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Rose, and Christian Ponder were the three or the four bust tier yeah, uh, quarterback prospects drafting the top 12. Mark Sanchez, though, he got a lot of QB wins. Yeah, well, he, yeah, Rex Ryan was like on top of the world at that point in time. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, time. All right, we we sidetracked this. Um, any other big any other big, any other big W's or L's that that you'd look to? Um, okay. I guess we didn't t- cover tight ends. Um, well, obviously, we both took a mass on Kyle Pitts. I don't care. Oh yeah, oh, you have more wide receivers to talk about? I got, oh, a whole bunch of wide receiver misses. I okay. I was all, all right. I was missing left and right and center, and I just sucked at wide receivers. Sure, my, actually, uh, actually my, had a lot of hits too, but. Sure. Uh, well, I'll go through them. I'll just kind of let you. I'll let the people know if I had a substantial win or, or loss on any of these. But I don't really have wide receiver takes, um, so I don't really feel like I have that big of W's or L's on them, except for Sky Moore, because I don't. Uh, I just kind of just do whatever the market does on wide receivers. But so I got DK Metcalf was big ol' A. Oh, okay. Drake uh, huh. London, him, so that's the win. Big ol' A. Loved him. Deontay Johnson, a DJ Moore, a both huge misses. Loves both of them and will be right eventually, so it's fine. Yeah, just just early, not wrong. Still, <laughs> yeah. still going to be buying. Yeah. Uh, Elijah like Moore, and I had an A. That is a miss. I'm less into Elijah Moore than I am into DJ Moore and I, Deontay Johnson. Elijah Moore is is probably a, is a pretty funny player, especially in like the meta of of the bulletproof world, in that. There was like a weird myth that Drew used to push that I hated Elijah Moore. You did hate uh, Elijah Moore. That was and, and, it, and it wasn't and it wasn't actually true. I, I liked him. Um and then it looked like he was gonna be a superstar, and I spent a lot of energy trying to dispel this myth. Uh I've since retreated. I, I now will allow that myth to stand. I've always hated Elijah Moore. I've always been out of Elijah Moore. He sucks. So then after Elijah Moore, then I then I I, I had an A on Devonta Smith, which uh, a lot of the masses yeah. that are not patrons probably do not realize. That's, that's uh, interesting. I like Elijah. I like Devonta Smith too. I had him as a priority. Yeah, it wasn't that I thought the, like Devonta Smith when I looked at him, I wasn't like this dude's gonna smash this year, and then he did. It was just that he was that like him not smashing was priced in. That right. that was already factored in, and I was like, well, anything could happen. He's really good, so I'm just gonna give him an A. We right. should get him on our teams. Yeah. Uh, and then we had Rashad Bateman who got hurt. I think that probably would have worked out in the end, but we'll never know till this year. <laughs> And then Marquis Brown, of course, we're buying Hollywood Brown. Elman Ross and Brown, we had a big old A. That was a big win for both of us. That was which, a, that was the key. And Coop and 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 like honestly, the entire bulletproof. It was like that was smart people. That was like that. that was pretty much like I would say if there was a guy who was the biggest win for like the bulletproof community against the larger fantasy football community, it's definitely Amon Ross St. Brown. See, and what's interesting about that is that yeah, yeah do you remember to, do you remember that uh, that account? That uh, that fantasy receipts mm-hmm. account that just like disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth. Right. Yeah. They pulled my Almond Raw St. Right. Brown funny. tweet, which and then like literally two weeks later was like, yeah, no, I was wrong. I've already admitted defeat. We're buying Almond Raw, and then I don't think I had him as an A until towards the end of the off season. I think I had him like a C or a B, 
And then kind of like the last month or two, I was like, no, no, we, we just got to go get Almond Raw. Like it's, it's, we got to get it. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, I feel like, look, we all got, we all got to there at at varying points, but the point was, was that he was a massive steal at any point that you bought him in the off season and we were buying him in the off season and, and and against considerable pushback from the broader fantasy community. So that's nice. Yeah. And then we had Sky Moore with EA. We've already talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, let's focus and on Ross St. Brown. Okay, yeah. like let's just take a timeout right now because I do this process. Some some may know about, some may not. It's called sophomore comps, and basically what right. I do is I take the all the rookies and I put them through this process. It's the same process in every rookie. It doesn't really change. Uh, the only reason that it changes is if I like if there's no comps, and then I'm like, hey, listen, it doesn't work. We're just going to expand to get a, a wider range of outcomes. So anyway, I didn't do that with Sky Moore. I just the basis of the process is this we use their prospect grade we use their um po- fantasy points per game we use their adp trends and we use the res- receiving grade from pff those are like the four inputs and sky moore's comps despite his awful awful play no his awful awful usage awful awful usage or randall cobb who went on to a top 12 season and go. Golden Tate, who went on to multiple top 24 seasons. And Brian Edwards, who made me look like a fool in overtime for the first two weeks of last year, uh, or 2021. And then I eventually won that argument. But Brian Edwards' comps were not uh, not as good as Sky Moore's, interestingly, even though they comp to each other. So, haha. Anyways, the moral of the story is that we are still buying Sky Moore. And that is a sneak peek of the... Sophomore comps process, and if it well, it, you know, price dependent. If Sky Moore gets a wave of uh, hype through preseason as he's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes and rises, say to like I don't know, an early second first round pick, trade value, I will be out on Sky Moore. If it stays at where he's at right now, I'm gonna be just rolling it back, just doubling down. Let's go for another ride. So that is Sky Moore. Then we have Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk. George Pickens, Allen Robinson. I'm shocked. Like I, I'm shocked that I put Allen Robinson in as an A. If you had asked me yeah, before I pulled this up, hey, how do you feel about Allen Robinson? I wouldn't have said I had an A on him. Uh, I, I thought he was fine. Like I, I, I wasn't like hating him by any stretch, but I certainly didn't think I had an A on him. I did. That was a huge mistake. I'm an idiot. I apologize to the masses. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, buffoonery knows no bounds. Then we have DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, Wandale Robinson. That's the whole list. Yeah, I mentioned that I don't really have um, massive opinions on uh, wide receivers in Dynasty, but I did pull up uh, my redraft tiers. Uh, Granted, the one qualifier that I'll put up with how I'm valuing a lot of these wide receivers in redraft is that like, when I do my redraft tiers, I put I sort them into the following. I, I don't do a letter grade. I, I sort them into a target, a centerpiece, which obviously those are are both things that I want. High ceiling, good value, avoid, and uh, and then I have structural priority, which is basically just for tight ends and quarterbacks. So but, like five buy signals and one sell signal. Well, no. What basically what I have is I have two buys, right? Which is target and centerpiece. Which centerpiece is like really really buy. Basically, my idea is centerpiece is not only would I buy them, but I would actually draft them ahead of ADP. Target is I would draft them at ADP. Um, and then 
the difference between, you know, the essentially what I have is a good value and high ceiling. The difference is that good value is like, I don't really want to draft this type of player, but they seem to be priced reasonably. And then high ceiling is I do want to draft this type of player, but they're priced too high is basically how I, how I value those, the difference between that. Um, neither of which end up being targets. But the point is, is that a lot of my centerpieces and targets are not necessarily based off like this is a guy who I think is going to beat their projection. It's more like this is a guy who I think has a chance to beat their projection by a lot is, is more what, the way that I'm looking at it. Anyhow, gotcha. some guys that I had as avoids at the wide receiver position were uh, Mike Evans, which uh, love that. Mike Williams, I don't know. He was fine. Wasn't wasn't great. He wasn't bad. Brandon Cooks, we love to see that. Uh, we had... Hunter Renfro, we love to see that. We had Alan Lazard, he was okay. We had Russell Gage, Marcus Valdez Scantling, uh, DJ Chark, Robbie Anderson, uh, Nico Collins, Kenny Galladay. Um, Wait, you're out here, okay, you're good. out here fading Mike Evans and then being happy about it? Yeah, he was terrible this year. He's freaking wide receiver thirteen. Yeah, and he was drafted at like wide receiver five. No, he was not. Yeah, he was. No way. Yeah, he drafted wide receiver six actually in redraft. That's a rage. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. Then he should have been faded. Yeah, he was drafted in the early second round this year because people because people didn't think God was going to play, so he was going in like the early second round. Idiots. Anyways, Um, you can have that win then. That's a that's a W. Yeah, there you go. Anyhow, uh, I won't go through all the targets. They have a lot of targets, but I will go through the centerpieces. And uh, we had AJ Brown. Love that. Uh, We had Jerry Judy who came in, beat ADP, officially a hit. Welcome to top 24. Wasn't world-changing, so whatever. Certainly not an L, but not, not as good as it could have been if Russ was good. We had Juju, kind of the same. We had uh, Elijah Moore, not great. We had uh, Kadarius Tony, who I, re- who I uh, said recently in the patron group, is that whatever value you get out of my advice generally, the tax you have to pay on that value is that you'll just continuously roster 30% Kadarius Tony and Dynasty, and that's just going to be a continued sink to your cost. Uh, I can promise you that we will remain in on Kadarius Tony next year. <laughs> he continues to flash whenever he has functioning hamstrings. Uh, we had Garrett Wilson as a centerpiece. Love to see that. We had Traylon Burks. Eh. Also, it didn't cost much. Sky Moore, rest in peace. Uh, Julio Jones, <laughs> did not, that did not work out. And Jahan Dotson, who at his price probably didn't help a lot in redraft. If you played best ball, Jahan Dotson was phenomenal for, for his cost in best ball. Why didn't I have Julio Jones? I should have had him as an A. Yeah. Who knew? There must, uh, yeah, this must be cut off. There must be more guys below this. Because I definitely would have had Julio Jones as an A, for sure. And that, that was a. Uh, that was a miss, but I, I wish know. I had Amon Ra as a centerpiece. That hurts. For the record, I did have Amon Ra as a target, so it's not like you don't I even like Amon Ra, man. But, uh, You're not even on Amon Ra. Yeah. Okay, so my my fades. I had some fades at wide receiver. It's probably comes yeah. a shock. I don't fade players very often. It's not one of my things. Like I try to be super positive, only ever good vibes. Never commenting on players that are overvalued. Uh, my first fade. Oh, by the way, before you get into this, I would like it noted for the record. Uh, before people are like, what about Gabriel Davis? I had Gabriel Davis rated as high ceiling, which is breakout archetype at an unfavorable cost. So just so people know. So you were, you were way, way too high on Gabriel Davis. The <laughs> I had him ranked, for the record, I had him ranked at 52 overall, which was the 
four. What a giant L! That's the biggest L you'll take all year. Um, which is well, which is a, over a full round behind Haiti Fee. That, so that, that is that L is so big you may not top it this decade. That could be yeah. your worst L of the for ranking him. At least it's out of the way. Great job. Oof. So my 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 biggest L at the wide receiver position. I do it again. I I regret nothing. Was CD Lamb? I gave him an F That's because fine. this giant freaking target share hike was priced in and i just wasn't comfortable with that so i'm gonna do it again should be another guy that y'all are gonna be like he's gonna go from 20 percent to 40 percent target share and i'm gonna say that ain't happening and i'm gonna fade him every single time well how and... about this the cd lamb thing if there was if there's two players that i got like bailed out on where it's players that i didn't really have a high opinion of at one point and then when the masses had a different opinion i got really in on and then ended up being pretty favorable it was cd lamb and, and christian watson was the other one but i'll read this tweet from cd lamb i'm going to cut you off here Go this was uh, after years really of, of fading cd lamb at cost despite never actually thinking cd lamb was bad i've always thought cd lamb was good uh very good yeah, actually so, so have you uh i put out this tweet september 13th 2022 and i said I think you can buy CeeDee Lamb and Dynasty for Michael Pittman Jr. in a non-negligible amount of leagues. And I would love to do that. And I would like to read off uh, the replies to that tweet on September 13th, 2022. We have from Cooper Adams says squints and doesn't stop for like 10 minutes. So that was, that was a neutral reply. We have why Pittman now has two and a half seasons of an alpha target share. Uh, we have, Is that for me? No, you didn't reply oh. to this. We oh, have... Okay why we have i'd rather buy Pittman um with a small piece added while selling lamb well at least he tried we had in dynasty i would have Pittman, and it's really not close then we have i'd love to sell him to you too late for a startup hard pass Pittman over cd uh guy has both in my league and is high on both of them cd still overrated i see sounds like i need to join more dynasty leagues with you why would you this is the best one why would you choose that the Colts have a functioning offense and the Cowboys do not. <laughs> Yikes. As a Pittman owner, I couldn't bring myself to do that. I would be terrified to do that if I'm competing. Trading a better player for a worse player is possible. Taking a surprise by here. Pittman is that dude. Elite O-line. No target competition. Cowboys are in shambles. CD will have more complimentary pieces joining soon. I'll take the future in Indy over the bleakness of Dallas. <laughs> I got offered this exact trade and I turned it down. I would not ever trade Pittman. What if I told you uh, I sold Waddle and a 23-2 for CD? I, I don't know. It's fine. Um, CD's all yours, buddy. Thanks. Come again. This time next season, Pittman will be worth more. Uh, no Pittman owner is making that trade. Much rather have Pittman. Wish you were in the same league. I need to play with you in Dynasty. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad move why Pittman is better uh i wouldn't no thank you that's all of them not a single person replied saying yes great idea <laughs> not one and I, I i swear i replied to that i must have maybe maybe, maybe you quote tweeted discord, it maybe uh you didn't know you didn't even quote tweet it maybe in the discord the quote tweets by the way say bad bad take Pittman's easy for me what you're saying is i shouldn't sell lamb that's correct give me Pittman. Um, and then, uh, oh, what my quote tweet of it was, well, I'm not sure if it's a good move or not. It's probably 55, 45, either way, like anything, but based on the replies to this tweet, one thing that's right about this take is that you can sure do it. 
<laughs> and then I had more replies to that one, which was, not sure why you trade rocket ship for puke. Those being emojis. Bro, you hate Pittman. Stop hating on Pittman. Dak scares me. He's not any good. Lamb isn't what you think it is. Can I pipe Pittman? And I have more faith in the Colts than the Cowboys. <laughs> Which, remarkable that after week one of the season, people were like, I'm really in on the Colts. The Cowboys suck. Anyhow, that is my favorite series um, of... The funniest part for me is not like, oh, people were wrong about a take. People are wrong about a take all the time. The funniest part for me is that that was after one game this season. After an entire offseason in which CeeDee Lamb and Michael Pittman were like two rounds apart in ADP. And then one game happened. <laughs> and and like universally people were like, that would be insane to contemplate having the wide receiver that everybody valued higher one week earlier. And it's just a nice time capsule for being reactionary in Dynasty. Love it. So the interesting thing about the CeeDee Lamb thing was I was fading him coming into the season. Mm -hmm. And then we got into the season. And the thing that I didn't think was going to happen happened – and then the masses were like running for the hills. And I'm like, wait, no, like this this is what you wanted. Right. Like, now I'm in. Like, where where are you? Why are you leaving? Let's go. Get right. me up, Steady. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. Anyways, I was out, now I'm back in. And I've always thought CD Lamb was good. I just always thought he was overpriced. Just when really? I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Right. You've seen that well, movie, right? Uh no. I, like I know the I know the quote, but I, I don't remember what movie it's from it's from godfather 3 which kind of sucks mm. but have you at least seen godfather 1 and 2 uh like 20 years ago well you should rewatch them when i was when i was like probably like 10 years old i watched them maybe that, that would be like scarring yeah i watched a lot of like um what advanced God movies for my age I would not show godfather 2 to a 10 year old there's like a scene where a senator wakes up next to like a dead hooker <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I I watched a lot of movies that I probably should. Sorry, sex like. worker, right? Should yeah, of course, bad. of course. That's Anyways, bad. my Fs. Let's continue with the Fs. Yeah. Then I had Mike Williams. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. Darnell Mooney. Darnell fucking Mooney, of course. <laughs> Could I? Have, I'm surprised I didn't have Mooney as a F. That's too bad. You should have. It was the right thing to do. I had Mooney as an F. Mike Williams as an F. Gabriel Davis as an F. Of course. Hunter Renfro was I, – I looked back. I couldn't believe how high Hunter Renfro was still going in the preseason. What were people thinking? Like, anyway, Hunter Renfro was an F. And then Michael Gallup with an F. Hunter, Hunter Renfro went ahead of Devonta Smith in uh, ADP and redraft this year. Yeah, like just stop. The masses need to straighten out sometimes. Alec Pierce with an F. Jalen Tolbert with an F. Which remember, Jalen Tolbert was going to be a thing because there were no other receivers. Like, oh my god, never mind. Alan Lazard with an F. DJ Chark, Russell Gage, Van Jefferson, and that's where the list cuts off. So yeah. I don't know, there's probably more, a lot more. I usually don't like to buy really bad players, so yeah, especially anyway. wide receivers. I mean, once you get into bad wide receivers, we're just taking running backs at that point. Yeah. So like, really, I don't. I, like aside from CD Lamb, which I, I feel like we reversed course and actually were able to get yeah. some. We were bailed out by the masses on CD Lamb, honestly. Honestly, bailed out by the masses was great, and I kind of nailed the rest, in my opinion. Yeah, the CD Lamb we got super lucky. The other one that I would say that I got super lucky for sure is Christian Watson because I did not like Christian Watson at all as a prospect. Drew liked him much more than I did. I remember um, arguing about him. Yeah, I did not. I was not in him as a prospect, so I drafted him in almost no rookie drafts. I I drafted him. You in drafted him a lot drafts. in redraft though in best ball. Oh, of course, but I draft like a lot of all the rookies in best ball. Um, we should. Like even like Chris Olave was a rookie that I was fading like an idiot, but like he was 
like a guy that I was over market on. And then Jahan Dotson was a guy who like, I didn't feel, I don't know, I wasn't fading him in Dynasty, but I didn't feel like any type of way about in Dynasty, but I still had him as like a centerpiece in redraft. Cause I was like, I don't know, he's first round wide receivers, but like round 14, why not? Um, yeah, like, so I'm drafting all the rookies. I drafted a lot of them in best ball for sure and redraft, but no, I was not drafting a lot of Christian Watson in, in rookie drafts at all. Like I had, I only took him in two rookie drafts and one of them was my home league, which drafts at the end of August. So like, obviously he had gotten a lot cheaper by that point. So basically I would have had him in like one out of 50 if I was doing all of them in, in uh, May. However, um, Mass has bailed me out. My, my king, my favorite sleeper, Romeo Dubs. Oh, uh, wound up, you know, overtaking him in the preseason and people were really out on Christian Watson Then Christian Watson got hurt. And it got to the point where he was literally dropped in a dynasty league that I'm in like drop people, like someone cut Christian Watson. You uh, should consider playing in more competitive dynasty leagues. That was actually a league entirely full of Twitter analysts. I won't name the person who dropped him, but you um, should, you should be like a well-known person. person. I won't Cooper actually picked him up and I was very mad because I didn't realize like I didn't like I don't check waivers other than the waiver day, so I didn't realize that like Christian Watson was like randomly dropped on a Wednesday. Um, but Cooper's in that league. He did realize what was more embarrassing was that he didn't bid all of his fab. He only bid like thirty percent, um, and he got him. <laughs> like nobody else bid because nobody else noticed that he was dropped. <laughs> See, this is why people make fun of Twitter analysts. Like they're so bad at this. <laughs> right. right. Like I, I guess like. Because Cooper was the only one who noticed. That he, the only people who knew that he was dropped was the guy who dropped him and Cooper. So Cooper ended up getting him. Um, and I immediately offered him Tyler Lockett for Christian Watson. Cooper thought about it for like two days and he declined because he's sharp. Uh, and Good for you, Coop. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, so shout out Coop on that one. Anyhow, I, I did not get him off waivers, but I did trade for him in several leagues uh, through the midseason. And I did put out a tweet that said, Christian Watson might be a good buy right now, uh, which covered my ass from from embarrassment. So that's good. <laughs> that, that is some hard-hitting analysis. Like, just as, like, yeah, leaving no no room for doubt. Like, everybody knows that Jacob Sanderson is 100% in on Christian Watson on waivers. Literally, he like might the, be a buy right now. I got him on waivers last week. He could be a buy. There's a chance. Literally, my thought was, like, I, I had been, like, well, the thing was, I had been purchasing some Christian Watson in secret, but all of my like tweets at that point were all like not pro Watson, <laughs> and so I literally thought about it. And I was like, well, if this hits, like on the off chance that it hits, like I, I probably want some cover, right? Like I don't want to just be like, oh, I was buying Watson the whole time and like under cloak and dagger because that would just seem fraudulent. So I was like, I need to have something on the record, but I also don't think this guy's any good, so I'm not gonna like make like a, a passionate case. So I just, I just thought a little might be a good buy right now. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> floated out there. That's as lukewarm as it gets. <laughs> what? Well, not lukewarm. even he, he's a good buy. He might be a good. There's a chance he's. Yeah, a good buy. I wasn't very sure. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't very sure. I, I remember sure. distinctly the moment that I found out that you did not like Christian Watson because I had yeah. him like not aggressively ranked. I didn't think, and I had him as like a coin flip, and you're like, he is not a coin flip. Like, well, actually. He he fits the definition to a T of what what a, what a coin flip would be. He like he's right in this bucket with all the other guys. Right. Yeah. Well, and you had him. It was it was like outrage. This was like pre-draft. Um, and I remember you had him ranked ahead of Khalil Shakir, which like really triggered me. Pre-draft, obviously post-draft, I had him ahead of Khalil Shakir after Khalil Shakir was drafted in like round five. It was Khalil uh, Shakir that was the one that set you off, Khalil Shakir. Yeah, I was like, why do you have Christian Watson at a Khalil Shakir? Because Khalil Shakir was going to get day three capital. Right, and I and I thought that he was not. I, I, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out 
that he was locked into round two, and I believe Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah lied to me. Yeah, I just I just don't really take any one person's word for it. I, I use like grinding the mocks or like the right. mock drafting. Like like our argument right now about Will Levis. I'm like, well, he's projected to be twelfth overall. And you're like, he's gonna go number two. I'm like, well, I mean, maybe, but nobody's like one guy said that so far. Right, I'm seeing the movement. That's all I'm saying. I'm when when he the gets there, then I'll have a different take. But he's not there. I'm I'm basing it on where he's being mock drafted. Well, right here, here's one thing. He was plus 2,200 a week ago for first overall, and he's now plus 900. So the market is shifting on Will Levis. That's because people are bidding on him. Like they're they're like, yeah, I bet. Uh, it. Isn't that how like betting works? Like it's based on how many how much money goes on one side. Well, kind of, but but not always. Oh, that was, anyway. that was hard hitting analysis. What do you think was more hard hitting analysis? Christian Watson might be a good buy right now, or kind of, but not always. <laughs> wow you are That's, really committing yeah and yeah uh so chris so christian watson was a, a, a massive success as i said he might be a good buy at, a, at an indeterminate period of time i think uh, so for the masses that we're not there which is virtually everyone we we did the scott fishbowl this year in vancouver like a live draft jacob and i were both right. there i yeah. drafted christian watson in the draft i was excited and you didn't drop I, him so i want to give you a shout out on that i like skipped to the podium like to make my selection I sit down. I'm quite certain Jacob Sanderson at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter said something on the lines of, I don't know, you're an idiot. I can't remember the specifics. Yeah, probably. I was like, this dude is like almost the first round pick. He's like 34th overall drafted to a team that is featuring is projected to feature Alan Lazard. Like (laughs) if there's a guy to take in round like 14 of a, you did not take him in round 14, bro. Well, not a, he was I, on the second page. Was he on the second page? He was on the like you you know, like you look at the thing, you got like the the first page of the second or second column, I guess you could say. He's on the second column. He's the first or second guy on the second column. Column two. He might be a good buy in the second column. He might, might be a good buy in the second column. Anyways, let's talk tight ends. I don't have yeah, a lot of tight ends. Tight ends. Yeah, let's do it. So Matt, we're almost done. Uh Kyle Pitts, we both missed on. Kyle Pitts were both no, buying. We, not there's yet. no there's no there's no point in discussing this. If you're listening to the show, buy call pits and don't question it ever. And no matter what happens, just know that when you go to bed tonight and every night forever more, you will be buying call pits the next day. Call pits is inevitable. Like he you I know you say Bateman was inevitable, but call pits actually is inevitable. I tweeted this out before the season, and I still entirely stand by it, even though obviously it cost me and you money if you followed it this year, which was I said that at some point Kyle Pitts is going to be the most important player in fantasy football. I'm just not entirely sure when it's going to happen, but I will continue to keep buying until it happens, and I have not changed my mind on that. So I will continue to buy Kyle Pitts. He he did nothing individually that should make you less excited about Kyle Pitts than you were going into last season that he's responsible for. He put up a million uh, air yards per route. He put up a bunch of targets per route. He didn't run as many routes as we would have hoped, but he probably ran more routes than like consensus hive mind of Twitter actually thinks. It was fine. Uh, he got a lot of targets. He got them down the field. He's going to be excellent. It's just a matter of when the situation is going to resolve for him. The good news is, or bad news, but whichever, uh, it's tight end. So you don't have a choice. <laughs> Right, that's the thing. It, it's not it's not the AJ Brown scenario where you're like, oh, I really like this guy, but there's other comparable guys, and he's priced. There's no other choice. It's Kyle Pitts, and then it's kind of Mark Andrews, and then 
it's like Kelsey, Kelvin. but he's old. So it's really Kyle Pitts, you know, or it's Brock Bowers in 2024, but like it's Kyle Pitts. So you're, you're just, you don't, there's no option. There's no arbitrage. There's no tearing down. It's just, you're going to buy Kyle Pitts and you're going to wait and it's going to hit eventually. And you might have to be patient. Yeah. I mean, you could tear down, you could tear down to Jelani, Jelani Woods Walker. That would be a good tear down. I'm kidding, by the way, masses. Those that cannot see the stream right now, that was a joke. You do not tear down from Kyle Pitts under any circumstances, even if he's on fire. Those are the rules. Those are the rules of Fight Club and also Kyle Pitts. Um, so other guys that I like, I unfortunately the screenshot we pulled because we don't do the rankings in like the same old way where I could pull up every month. So right. I had to get Adeko to pull this for me, and it doesn't have the ABCs. Uh, buy sells hold so i don't actually know who it mm. was but i know that kyle pitts was was definitely an a yeah uh, other guys that i can remember being really high on that were also marked as buys but i don't know if they were b's or a's would have been like noah fant but that would have been like a buy because someday he might hit and he's free uh trey mcbride because he's a rookie tight end that was good uh good prospect and then guys like uh zach Ertz. Jelani Woods, Walker, Jelani, how we say it, uh, Evan Ingram, that uh, Browns tight end, what's his name again? David Njoku. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel like I really missed too much on the buys, on the sells. I was selling TJ Hawkinson for the first time in my life. I had given up on any type of ceiling materializing. And then it, it kind of did, I guess. No, you're right. I don't think like, the TJ Hawkinson thing is like, okay, like, if you want to say I was wrong about TJ Hawkinson in the sense that he scored a lot more points than I thought he would, then that's f fair enough. But the reasons that he scored a lot more points are not sustainable. His targets per route this year was 0.22, which is the same as it's always been. He's only ever been between 0.21 and 0.22. After moving to Minnesota, it was 0.227. So it went up very, very marginally. Why did he score a bunch more points? They threw 42.7 passes per game after trading for him. That's... If any if any tight end on any team, if there's any tight end on any team that runs over 80% of the routes on a team that averages 43 pass attempts per game, they will be a top five tight end. For, I wouldn't predict that... any team to score 43 pass attempts per game because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in Minnesota next year either. Um, so, CJ Hawkins is going to be extremely overdrafted this year. For, for what it's worth, 42 pass attempts per game is virtually unheard of. I don't believe any team has ever done that for a whole season. So like yeah anyways uh so that that was like maybe one of my misses i guess but I, like actually I tampa know. averaged more than that this entire season but they like set the all-time record who did tampa oh yeah well brady was like on sunday or monday yeah he passed brady had like 70 time. pass attempts or right something but that, they're weird the point is the vikings like if you look at the other teams who pass that much it's like they either play super super fast or they pass at a really, really high rate over expectation. The Vikings don't. Like the, the Vikings are, are certainly not a run-heavy team. They're, they're slight pass lean, but it's not like their intention is to come out and throw it every down. They, they just played a lot of random shootouts because their secondary is shit, and they had to play up pace. They're playing like they that just happened. It wasn't even like they did that over the whole season. It was though they it was they traded for TJ Hawkinson and they got in a lot of weird games, and then they ended up pass a lot. And TJ Hawkinson did that, but he's the same player he's been. That he's always been. Yeah. So then I, the, another sell I had Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox, Mike Jusecki, uh, Cole Kmet, Albert Okwagobunyunema, uh, Greg Dolchich. Yeah, love him. 
had him as a sell, so I guess that was a miss. Oh, well, that was stupid. Robert Tanyan, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Jonathan Smith. Like I, I don't know. That's everyone. Yeah, I my my tight ends. I can't pull anything from my redraft tiers for tight ends because my stance on redraft is just to draft a tight end early. So I didn't like really have them yeah. in the same way that you would for dynasty. Um, but in terms of like the guys that I rostered a lot of uh, and that I wrote some complimentary words towards, I would say that biggest thing that I got wrong was I was very optimistic about Darren Waller returning to form, and he sure didn't. So that was unfortunate. Um, Kyle Pitts obviously is painful, um, but I don't have any concerns about him long-term. I would make the same bet again. Uh, the late guys that I was really into this year uh, definitely hit, which was nice, which was David Njoku, uh, Evan Ingram, Greg Dulcich, and Chikozi McConquo. So that that was nice. Um, I, I was into Albert O for a while. I know people will be like, what about Albert O? I was very into Albert O. Um, like when he was, well, I was super, super into him when he was free. And then when Fant left, I was cautiously still into him. And when they drafted Dulcich, I became not very into Alberto because I was very into Greg Dulcich at that point. Um, so <clears throat> you can take it or leave it, I guess, on, on Alberto. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to, let's do one mailbag question. Uh, Dude, because, hold on. We have a sponsor. Oh, oh tell us We need to sponsor. say things about the sponsor. Sure. So Matt, can you cut this into somewhere that makes sense? We probably shouldn't do it at the very end of the show. Probably not. So, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll just read it. I guess is, is that fine with you? Yeah, read it. All right. The NFL playoff action continues. We are one step closer to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, and for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. So that's pretty good. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, out of curiosity, is there a particular game that you were excited about this weekend? Yeah, the Cowboys and 49ers for sure. Um, I took like a pretty heavy stance on the Cowboys in uh, like my best ball stuff for playoffs. Um, and I took a pretty heavy stance on them last week against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from just a betting perspective. And I'm sticking with them. I I, I don't maybe, – maybe I'm wish casting a little bit on the Brock Purdy bust game. Like I mentioned, my heart is with Trey. But I, I think that the Dallas Cowboys have been severely undervalued entering the playoffs. Because if you look at them in the games that they played with Dak, who, despite what some people will have you believe on Twitter, is a lot better than Cooper Rush, uh, they have been third in the league in EPA. And that puts them right in a tier with the best teams in the league, which certainly includes the San Francisco 49ers. And people really, I think, undervalued them for a while because they got really mad about Dak's turnovers. And the crazy thing about the turnovers is that EPA overweights turnovers right because turnovers add or subtract a lot of expected points so if anything EP, and epa doesn't take like the way epa is calculated is is it just accepts the turnovers as fact it doesn't it doesn't actually examine the context of the turnovers to determine whether you should have had more or less turnovers if anything that's a potential flaw of epa even though it's probably one of the best stats we have for quarterbacks anyhow the point is dak was tied 10th in turnover where he plays percentage and he threw the most picks. And everybody was like, oh, this guy sucks. He was throwing way more picks than you'd actually expect. He doesn't tend to throw a whole lot of picks over the course of his career. He doesn't suck. Um, and so he was still performing really well in terms of EPA per play, despite 
throwing more picks than you would naively expect him to throw. And yet people were actually double counting the picks in the opposite direction. So I, I thought they were undervalued. Nice to see them come through huge against Tampa. Pumped to see them against the 49ers. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm. that's the game I'm most interested in as well. I I don't know that the Cowboys are going to win. I, I'm just... I just hope both teams have fun. <laughs> my wife has this ridiculous shirt that literally says, I hope both teams have fun oh, on it. That's fun. And she wears it to my son's hockey games. And I'm so embarrassed and also oh, livid at the fact that she wears that. Anyways. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm also, of course, I want to watch, I want to watch Tony Pollard, obviously too, on a big stage. I mean, nah, come on. who cares? Well, I'm, I'm excited for Zeke. I'm in on Zeke. I'm not <laughs> in on the Eagles, uh, especially uh, Jalen Hurts. I will say the other game I'm excited for, and I don't think it's going to be a close game, but I'm really excited to see the Chiefs and the Jaguars because I think um, it's, it's I always find it really fun to see players that I think have the potential to be great in their first run, you know. And and yeah. this I was really excited to see Trevor Lawrence coming into the playoffs. Um, obviously, he started in well, it started in horrific fashion and then wound up going in incredible fashion. Pretty good <laughs> and. I don't expect them to win this game. I'm not even sure they'll compete, but I think it would be really fun if the Jaguars gave the Chiefs a big run in this game, and I, I'm rooting for that. So I think that'd be fun. Actually, another thing about the Bengals and, and Bills game is going to be a lot of fun too. Uh, yeah, it's a great game. I really like Joe Burrow and the uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins combo. It's just like my favorite thing. And, and that game has the potential to just be like insane. And like Gabriel Davis, like seeing him fail week after week after week is. Well, I don't. Did you watch I don't try last to week? Actually, failures, did you watch last week? But, uh, did you uh, did last play week? Off, I, no, I missed that one. Gabe is back, baby. Playoff Gabe is back. Yeah. So, anyways, you just wrote this guy off. How 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 mad will you be if Gabriel Davis has because he's off to a great start in the playoffs? How mad will you be if he has another playoffs like last year and then you have to do this whole thing all over again? I'm not doing it anymore. I'm over it. Like, were you were I'm you aware of his were you aware of his stat line last week? Yeah, yeah, it was. He yeah. had like 100 yards and a touchdown or something. Yeah, baby. 98 yards somewhere there. No, yeah, six for 113 and one. Oh, 113. Yeah. yeah. So, like, he had a good week. Good for him. He has one of those every month or two. And, uh, you can have great. another one this week, baby. Playoff I, I game. hope that I honestly, I hope that he smashes so that I can game. just go ahead and make money on, uh, fading Gabe again next year. Did you hear Tony Romo exclusively refer to him as Big Game Gabe? I did not hear Tony Romo <laughs> refer to him that. Oh, my God. Anyways, so deep for Big Game Gabe. <laughs> So what you need to do is you need to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. Uh, new customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And here is the disclaimer. You must include or you are if you have a gambling problem, call 8778-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H O P E N Y four six seven three six nine, and why if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling or referral services can be accessed by calling one eight hundred Gambler one eight hundred four two six two five three seven. That is in a whole bunch of states: C O I L I N L A M D M I N J P A T N W V W Y one eight hundred Next Step in Arizona one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero. In KS dash or slash NH, Kansas. I don't even know what all these states are. Kansas and New Hampshire. Kansas and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 slash visit ccpg.org in Connecticut, I believe that is. 1 800. Yes, yeah, CT. That's off IA. Who's IA? Iowa. 
Oh, Iowa. Of course, in Iowa. Why are you so bad at this? I, I don't know any of the abbreviations for American oh states. Oh, my God. I'm not American. I'm not American. American. I know all the abbreviations. Canada. Anyway, name you're a, sta- name a state. Denver. I'll give you the abbreviation. Name any okay. fucking state. Okay. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon. I believe it there is. Yeah. Or one 532 3500 in VA, which has got to be Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. 21 plus or 18 plus in NHWY, that's New Hampshire and Wyoming, physically present in A-Z-C-O-C-T-I-L-I-N-I-A-K-S-L-A, select parishes, M-D-M-I-N-J-N-Y-P-A-T-N-D-A-W-V-W-Y only void in Ohio and O-N-T, Ontario? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually in Ontario. Okay, yeah. eligibility restrictions apply. Again, $200 in free bets, valid one per new customer, minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 bet, promo code required, $200 issued as free bets that expire seven days, 168 hours after being awarded. Free bets must be wagered one times, and stake is not included in any return or winnings. Stepped up same game parlay, one stepped up same game parlay token issued per eligible NFL playoff game after opt-in minimum $1 bet. Max bet limits apply. Minimum three leg, each leg, minimum negative 300 odds. Total bet plus 100 odds or longer. Profit boosted up to 100%. 10 plus legs for 100% boost. Oh, my God. You can't read all this. Offer- what? <laughs> You've got to make this ad read shorter, dude. What the fuck? This is the rad read. It's a read this entire disclaimer. And I'm not done, so we got to keep going. Promotional offer experience ends 2-12-23 at 11.59.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. We are done. <laughs> Super califragilistic expiatosis. Oh my gosh. You were so precocious. So that was yeah, I'll be reading the ads from now on. <laughs> if I knew all the abbreviations, it probably would have gone smoother. All right. Anyhow, uh Glad you probably guys not, got though, to enjoy that. Probably easier to just say CO instead of Colorado. Yeah, glad you guys got to enjoy that. All right, we have very limited time because <laughs> we're already at uh, an hour 50. So I'll only be pulling one question from the mailbag, uh, and, and it won't be as uh, conceptual uh, or as, as, as long to answer as the one I originally intended to do. So for all the people that ask things about related to wide receivers on credit, that'll be a long discussion. I will build that into the next episode, I promise you. But here's the question for today's mailbag, and it comes from patron A squared Ron. And he asks, when buying a player you believe is undervalued and has the potential for production that matters, and he put in brackets Kyle Pitts, Deshaun Watson, Mark Andrews, etc. Do you ever go above market price? And if you do, how much above market price are you willing to buy? While I understand it's somewhat bad process to be making buys above the market price, a lot of league micro markets make it impossible to buy undervalued players at their alleged market price. So what should you do? First of all, <laughs> nothing brings you more joy than when players uh, or when patrons, sorry, use terms that like I've created in threads and just made up and then just like apply them in threads. So shout out to micro markets. Um, that means leaks, by the way. <laughs> it just means your league. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yeah, basically the question is, if there's a player that we think is a buy and a particular a player that we think is like a high leverage buy, right? So I think this is different than a guy where it's like, yeah, he's a buy because he's free, right? Um, but someone that we think is a, a high priority buy who has high value, are we willing to buy above their market cost? And and for anyone who's not a patron, when we say market cost, when in particular when I say ma- micro, when I say market cost, what I mean is the macro market cost, which is like, 
any number of sort of aggregated market ranking, be that ADP, be that keep trade cut, be that fantasy calc, whatever it is you rely on, just the general value that you see these players go for. Are you willing to buy above that for a player that you think is buy a high leverage spot? And if so, how much? I think like, like all these questions are so nuanced. I would say, yeah, I would be willing to go above market price sometimes. And those instances are not like defined in my brain. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, in this particular instance that comes up, you know, once every 100 days, I would be willing to buy. It's like, I don't know, like, I'll give you, I will give you a, for instance, if my team is absolutely stacked at every position, I have difference makers across the board. And then I'm trotting out, say, Evan Ingram at tight end. I'm going to go and buy a damn tight end. And the price is the price. I will pay the iron price because it's the only position, the only like spot in my starting lineup that has any type of weakness. I'm happy to do it at that point. If I am not in that position, my team is not super strong or I'm just trying to like build a team. I'm not interested in buying over market price anywhere. Right. I don't care how good the player is. I'm not going to get them. It, it's, I don't know. That, you- that's a good, I, I agree with your answer. Um, now, I have, I have the benefit of picking these questions and looking at them in advance. So I probably have slightly more thought out takes. Um, but I agree with everything that you said. Uh, a lot of time in law, you know, what they what we have these things called legal tests, which is the idea, you know, you're supposed to apply something to the law in a given scenario and it spits out an answer. And sometimes it's easy. It's like a yes or no question. And then that spits out an answer. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have you know, what we often call balancing tests, which are, you know, there's a number of factors to consider, depending on the result of those factors, they weigh in favor of one result or the other. And it's rare that all the factors are going to be on one side or all the factors are going to be on the other side. You have to look at each factor individually and then come to a conclusion. And I think that that's how I would view this kind of scenario is that there's a number of factors that would influence me one way or the other. And that it's a context dependent analysis, depending on those factors. And the ones that I'd consider is, as Drew mentioned, the overall value of your team, and in particular, not just the value of your team, but your likelihood to win, right? So your value of your team, likelihood to win in a given year. I'd also look at the scarcity of the position from A, the standpoint of these are the positions that we think matter the most, but also from the standpoint of, it's not very likely that there's going to be other options that come available at this position uh, where you can pay closer to the market price for if you go and talk to a different manager or if you wait until somebody's willing to sell someone they aren't right now. Uh, And then I would look at the other one would be team need, right? Uh, And of course, I guess the other factor would just be how much over market price we're talking about. And so really the factors in which I'm doing it is I totally agree with Drew. If you don't have a high value team, you cannot afford to shed value, right? You just can't. So you know, even if you really want Kyle Pitts, you really want Mark Andrews, if you're struggling, if you're rebuilding, if you just took over an orphan, probably not the time to go make that big buy. Similarly, if you don't see yourself viably contending this year, because ultimately, even if you have a high value rebuilder, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to be doing anything that's going to be hurting your value until you're actually ready to capitalize on that, right? I don't want to be thinking short term until I have the opportunity to win in a given year. And then, yeah, it's the big thing is the scarcity. I think a lot of people underestimate how much things will change, right? We just talked about the CeeDee Lamb, Michael Pittman thing. For an entire eight months, CeeDee Lamb was valued considerably ahead of Michael Pittman. Within one week, 
a ton of people change their mind on that, right? People change their mind on things all the time. So if you feel like you really need another wide receiver in January, you probably don't, right? Or maybe you really do, but you can probably get one at market price at any other time. Same with running back, right? You don't need to make that value right now. I saw somebody in one of my leagues, in my opinion, overpay the market price for Najee Harris today. And, you know, they didn't think that they overpaid it. And maybe it'll turn out that they, they didn't overpay it over time. But we're like, well, what was I going to do? You know, um, I needed a running back. It's like, well, okay, you probably did need a running back. But the chances are at some point between now and, you know, October, someone's going to sell you a running back cheaper, right, that you might like. But you're right, at tight end, that's not really the case. Like we just mentioned, it's Kyle Pitts, it's Mark Andrews, you know, it's Travis Kelsey on a short-term basis. And otherwise, there's not really that many other alternatives. So I do think if you've talked to all the managers, you know their positions, you know who might sell and who might not. I think it's reasonable to say I'm just going to take the shot now if you have that team that's set up that needs that position and similar at quarterback. So I do think it's a it's a case by case basis. But yes, there are willing there are times where I'm willing to pay the iron price, and, and it's usually the times on on the best teams at the scarcest positions, um, and when there's not a lot of other alternatives. Yeah, I think the other thing I'll add now that I've had a few moments to think about it is there are instances that do come up for me where I am willing to go over and above uh, market price. And it, it's kind of the nature in which I build my teams. I tend to build my teams very flat. Like I don't buy a hmm. lot of expensive players right away. I tend to just like stockpile draft picks and young players and injured players. And then when that all comes to fruition, at some point, I need to start consolidating because I'm out of roster space. I can't hmm. pick up back of running backs to go and flip them because I, I all I have are point. players that are worth something. So when I get into that situation, then I'm more willing to overpay but that's usually as I transition into juggernaut phase where my team is like ready to just dominate the league anyway. So I, I really love, I really love that take. And I agree with that. And I would add a slightly similar take, which is that the circumstances of your league also matter a lot, which really should affect honestly what the market is, right? If you're in a league that's a start 12 or a start 11 versus a league that's a start nine or a start 10, you know, that has a really big effect. Same with bench size. I think something that's undervalued dynasty is bench size. I'm in leagues, you know, where it's the bench is 25 players. The waiver wire is basically dead the entire year. You're lucky if there's like three worthwhile ads the entire year. I'm in another league, bench size is eight, right? I, I actively want to be getting the one side of every two for one, the two side of every three for two, because opening up a bench spot is legitimate value, right? Like the mm -hmm. odds are every time I open up a bench spot, I'm going to be able to continually churn the waiver wire and eventually I'm probably going to get a guy I sell for a round two pick one day, right? Like mm -hmm. think about a guy like Chikosi Maconqua. Every league that I have him, which is like 18, I got him off waivers, right? Whatever value I'm able to get from him now is entirely because I was able to open up a roster spot to add him. Um, so there, there's a real opportunity to doing that that is hidden sometimes in some of these deals where if you're in these spots where, yeah, you have more. And, and I think that, yeah, look at your lineup, right? This is maybe not a great thing to do in January because so much is uncertain. But especially as you get into the season, there'll be certain lineups where you're looking at a guy like a Jacoby Myers, you know, or, or a, Ty a Tyler Lockett being a great, ex well, he's probably too good. Um, who's, oh, let's, you know, who's a good example, like a, like a Ezekiel Elliott this year would have been a good example of a guy where it's like, if you're not starting him, there is no fucking point to rostering this guy. Right? Like if you're not using his points, then there's really no point. Like you need to be using this guy's points. So, you know, you kind of look at your team and it's like, I have this guy who has no trade value to anybody, really. Nobody really wants him. 
but I could put them in my lineup and it'd be fine. Like, yeah, I want to open up spots for that. I want to trade some of the superfluous value because I'm not going to get any trade value off this guy anyway, but I could bump him into my lineup. But right now my team is too flat where I'm benching guys who are startable. Yeah. Yeah. The, I guess the other thing is, yeah. When you're saying, would you trade above market? Sure. To a, to a degree, like I'm not right. going to overpay by three first round picks. No. Uh, the other thing I would say is if if some of these like genuine superstars ever get like a price decrease, I don't really view that as a price decrease. I view that more as an opportunity to buy them because otherwise yes. they're not attainable. So like for instance, if Patrick Mahomes had a career or a career ending, never mind, a season ending injury uh, early next year, I would pay Patrick Mahomes prices today. At that point, even though his prices come down, right? Because I know what I'm getting. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to recover, unless it's like a potential career-ending injury. But like a guy like that is going to recover, and he's going to be back to where he was in the first place. Like Deshaun Watson, who had like the suspension last year, was like it's a matter of time. Calvin Ridley, we know he's good. He's got a suspension right now. It's okay to go a bit over and above on those because we know Mm -hmm. what's coming back at the end. We know what's going to happen. I wouldn't like we're buying a discount. But really, we're just kind of paying what the real price is. If right. If, and if you think about it in terms of, you know, think about it as an NFL, like from an NFL perspective, right? Like in a vacuum, usually trading for players that you have to sign to an extension is usually bad because in theory, you're paying assets for the right to negotiate a fair market value contract with them, which just usually doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You especially think about this though in the NBA perspective, um, and, and I think it transcends a little bit to the NFL. Like from an NBA perspective, there's something you know called a max contract, right? Which is the max that you can sign a guy for. But there's like quite a few players that have a max contract, and they're obviously not all of the same value, right? So Nikola Jokic on a max contract is considerably more valuable than Bradley Beal on a max contract, uh, and so where does that extra value come from? Because you can't actually pay them that much more than a certain amount. Well, if Nikola Jokic was somehow made available, every team in the NBA would be willing to fork over first-round picks on top of first-round picks on top of first-round picks for the right to sign Jokic to the maximum allowable contract, right? And I think that's kind of how you can look at some of these players is like, you know, if, a, if, if Patrick Mahomes has a bad stretch, like... We don't need to buy low on Patrick Mahomes. We're just grateful for the opportunity to buy Patrick Mahomes because nine times out of 10, you say, hey, Patrick Mahomes available. The guy just shuts the door in your face, right? So you're just grateful for that opportunity. I talked about it too uh, in in a uh, thread where I talked about the idea of the hold tax, you know, and the idea of the hold tax is it's just essentially the cost that you pay for an asset that you can't use yet until the time that it's of use. You know, this 2022 season was Calvin Ridley's hold tax season. He didn't, you know, he didn't become worse. He didn't become less or more valuable. It's just that you couldn't use him this year. So he was worth less than he is worth now because the time in which he was unuseful where that value wasn't being able to be turned into production has now told, right? And in certain situations, if your team is not competing, what you can offer the other team, is essentially you pay the whole tax for them, right? I Oh, you have Kyler Murray, um, and you're competing next year and he starts on pop okay, I'm not competing this year. I'll buy Kyler Murray at, you know, close to full price. And it's probably over, like, close to full as in close to what he'll be worth when he comes back. 
probably a little bit over market price. That's fine. I don't need the points anyway. I'll pay the whole tax, which is essentially sitting on them for those several weeks where you don't need them anyway because he wouldn't serve a purpose for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like there is instances where I would go above like above market price when buying players, but it's it my team needs to be in the right spot. I need to, you know, like yeah. In, in the event that something happens where we can I don't know how to word it. I'm I'm out of ideas on how to word this. Basically, if it makes sense, I would pay over market. <laughs> yeah, and, and this may be the last thing I'll say on it is one factor that I didn't mention and that I wouldn't really consider is how much you think they're undervalued by the market. Like, if you can point to something tangible, such as they're injured, so this is why they're going to be worth more later or suspended. That's different. But if you're just sort of like an example of like a I don't know. Like Deontay Johnson would be an example of a guy where I just think he's really undervalued by the market. But the whole reason why I would tell everybody to buy Deontay Johnson is that you're getting him for what I think is a price that will eventually go up, you know, or you're getting more production for the price that you're given. If you pay over that, you're just giving up the entire reason why he's a buy in the first place, right? You're increasing your risk where if he fails, you've now given up more than you had to, and any player could fail, as we just went through. Plenty of players that we thought were massive buys failed. And if he hits, you're getting less out of it because you're not actually getting the full value of buying him low in the first place. So that's that's one thing I would note is even if you think a player is really undervalued, that's a player where, you know, if, if none of these other factors that we mentioned apply, yeah, just buy him when you can get him, you know, at, at or slightly above market value. But there's no point in going and rushing out to buy a guy that we say is undervalued because he's undervalued. Well, if you just pay more, then he's no longer fucking undervalued. So Yeah, and I'm, I've been trying to think about like how much I would go above their value and I, I don't think it's like quite that straightforward i think it's no to me that it has to be a case-by-case basis. Case basis yeah it was like oh what i would be being like oh i'd pay an extra second is that reasonable and i'm like well calvin really would be but on patrick mahomes it definitely would be but i'd pay way more than an extra second to get patrick mahomes uh, all right I'd probably pay late first extra to get patrick mahomes like i you know anyways yeah on any team that i'm about value for sure if I, if I could yeah so anyway, I think we answered this pretty thoroughly. Um, I think that's it. Uh, we'll be, for, for listeners, uh, we haven't fully sorted out exactly what our off-season recording schedule is going to be. Um, it, it probably won't be every single week just because there's less to talk about in the off-season and, and we have busy lives. But it'll be frequent. It's not going to be like once a month or anything crazy like that. Uh, we have plenty of rookie stuff to talk about. We're more than willing to take on suggestions if you have things that you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we will continue this mailbag, so we'll answer probably more than one of your questions in most episodes and we're not doing the full season and review stuff, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's our first time back on the mic in a while. Stick with us. Got a lot of episodes coming and uh, any final closing thoughts? I have no closing thoughts. I, uh, I no, I do have a closing thought. I have one oh, okay. singular closing thought. I'm a, I am shocked that we were able to find any of my L's. I thought they were all erased from existence. And uh, yet here they uh, are. You, did you ask Elon to scrub them? It was out in the Twitter files. <laughs> yeah, I put that. Yeah, we got to make sure he doesn't get a hold of this for the Twitter files for sure. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen guys that I I rated as as big old fat L's for myself this year. I'm certain you will find many more. Except you won't because Elon and I are we're in cahoots to bury them in the Twitter files. Anyway, I, don't, I have nothing else. You have anything else? We good? I'm good. Let's call right. it. Have a good one. Until next time, goodbye, listeners. <laughs>